Join us as we step aboard the Halcyon for an unforgettable adventure. In this episode, we break down our experience on the brand new Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser in Walt Disney World. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking somehow all about Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, our experience and our reaction. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm still kind of in disbelief that this happened quite honestly. Um, so it feels a little surreal to even be having a podcast episode about it because it was not at all on our docket. I really can't believe it either. It was really, like Caitlin said, it wasn't in the stars for us and it, it wasn't especially in the immediate future. But I think that this is something that obviously Caitlin and I were really interested in and ho- hope to do someday. Yeah, absolutely. And that day, didn't seem close at all until suddenly it was and now we're back from it and it feels kind of like a fever dream but we're really excited to actually talk about it and talk about like the experience overall it was everything and nothing that I expected um like we're in the Star Wars world right (laughs) like we're, we're in this and Charlotte is in it I'm in it and Charlotte too is like huge Disney Parks fan so like we're we're the target audience for this to a T <laughs> and I still yeah. don't think we really knew what to expect going right, into it. Right. And I think you and I have been talking a lot about like the difficulties of like marketing this experience like all week as we've gone through it and I'm excited to like talk about that and like our experience overall because we did have a really great time um and we really enjoyed it and are really grateful that we were able to experience it. Yeah, absolutely. And I literally got home an hour ago, basically to the minute. And I, (laughs) so it's very, very fresh is the reason why I'm mentioning that. And it is, I don't know, it's still like a whirlwind in my brain. Caitlin says it's like a fever dream for me. I'm like, wow, that happened. And I cannot believe it. So this, in this episode, this is what we're going to do because we have a lot to talk about and a lot to say. So in part one, we're going to do a spoiler free reaction where we're not going to talk about the story elements and some of the bigger things that happened and like a lot of the specificity. We're just going to tell you what we liked, what we didn't and what worked for us, what didn't and you know, the basics. Yeah. Very big picture. And then in part two, we're going to dive in to our spoiler reactions where we are going to be talking about everything involving the storylines on the Halcyon, including everything that happens in the finale, all of the little tidbits and secrets that we experienced while we were there. So if you don't want any of that spoiled for you, I would definitely skip probably the entirety of part two, if I'm being honest. Yeah, so... I just feel like Caitlin and I had no – we we talked about this. We were debating whether or not to do a spoiler-free reaction or like a discussion and how we were able to do it. And we just – we have to talk about everything. So that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to dive in. So why don't we go ahead and do that, Caitlin? Let's go into part one. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. All right. Welcome to part one, our spoiler-free reaction. But first, we have to talk about – How did this even happen? How did we even get here? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So about two weeks ago, so it's February 24th right now, about two weeks ago, Caitlin and I each got an email from Disney World and it was an invite that, to be honest, kind of looked like a marketing email that I get. Caitlin and I both get the Disney World marketing emails as we are major fans and regularly go. And I feel like when I opened it, I don't know, it was a, you know, one of those you're invited type situations. I opened it and Caitlin had her phone (laughs) very far, like in another room off, could not reach her, was freaking out. I should find the screenshot of when we both got the email and I saw it and I just had to call Caitlin immediately, obviously about it. (laughs) And it was so panicked. <laughs> it was, Caitlin, answer your phone, please, please. And it was like, I didn't want to reveal what the email was in, in that text. So it literally looked like an emergency. And <laughs> everything about it was just wow. And I think that Caitlin, I just want it, I want it to be very, very clear on this podcast. We could not be more grateful for this major surprise that ended up in our email box, right? Like we this is a dream come true. <laughs> and I don't, I, I, I even struggled to like put it into words. I like cried when I got the email, like, ha, huh, it was so, it's amazing. Right. And yeah. And it was just so special to like, look forward to this. And of course, like we couldn't tell anyone about it either. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that was a big part of it too. It was like, okay, so we're going, but I don't know, number one, who else is going? Yeah. <laughs> and and also, uh, so there's a big element of this where we're just going to show up and like see who else was going. <laughs> very odd. It was the number of emails we got slash didn't get about this whole event. It was, it was like every couple of days, just this kind of trickle of information about, yeah, you're coming. Here's what to expect. Here's a rough sketch of the plan. It was like... Oh my God, is this really happening? What what are we doing? What are we gonna wear? Who is who else is going? It was Yeah, it was it was it overwhelming. Was, it was like 12 <laughs> days in the dark, to be quite honest. <laughs> what we weren't in the dark. We, it was just a we still had a as, lot of questions. I as planners, yeah. as like major planners, there's there was a sense of okay, so we're going, like it's planned, we're going, it's yeah. happening. But I would like to know the minute by minute of right. what exactly we were doing. Right. And a big part of it, I think, also leads into the fact that we have some friends who are actually going on the Star Cruiser in like the beginning weeks of the voyages in March. So I had seen their schedules and their their itineraries. People have been talking about their changing itineraries on their own, like Play Disney apps. And I was like, where's ours? <laughs> I want to start planning. What do I need to wear? What kind of costumes do I need to compile? And things like that. Because this wasn't on our radar. This wasn't something that we were planning. And if you are like, if you are planning on going to this, you end up spending a lot of time in like Facebook groups, on like Discord groups, planning your outfits and what you're going to do and things like that, which is so exciting and so fun. And I wanted to be a part of that too. So there was this sense of like, what are we going to do? Friendly. Like, I'm ready to, I'm re- yeah, I'm ready to go. And also because we couldn't tell anyone about this, it was like just me and Caitlin being like, uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, it's very much, it's a once in a lifetime for a lot of people experience. And so you plan so much for that kind of adventure. And 
I mean, I think not having that time just added to the frenzy and also to, you know, like the fun and the excitement of it too. Like it just being like a very quick turnaround, of course. But yeah, it's like, I hadn't even really ever thought about what I would wear on Star Cruiser because it never even seemed like something that was going to happen, <laughs> you know, like we said in the next like year, mm-hmm. two years, five years, you know, whatever it was like, that wasn't something that was even on 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 the plan at all so to kind of have to recalibrate my entire like headspace around it uh something that was very real and was happening in the next two weeks <laughs> was <laughs> was crazy and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little stressful um but it was it was it was great and it was fun it was one of those moments where we take the entire Star Wars drawer oh my god pull it out I just go through everything if, if you sort of mix like miss mix match what our previous costumes that we've compiled Ooh. over the past years <laughs> into something that was wearable spacey and the thing about Star Cruiser also is like the costumes it's a part it's a big part of it We're, we'll talk about it later the fact is like you're not supposed to dress as like a character character you're supposed yeah. to because you're part of star wars like that's the whole concept so it was a lot of figuring out what that even looks like in our own wardrobe what we would want to do who we would want to be and yeah it's so it was, it was a it was a fun experience but i think we're spending a little too much time on this yeah. this part yeah yeah i do want to say too that it's there was no, I guess, uh, like information from Disney about how we were supposed to talk about this experience. There wasn't even a line item in our invite that said, please send us your podcast episode or here right. are some talking points we want to give you. Literally nothing about that. Um, no one pressured And us. we've had that before. Yeah, by we, the have. Way. we have. We have. In for Dragon Con, for yeah. Star, like not for Star Wars Celebration, but Dragon Con is very intense about asking for about the content what, afterwards. Yeah, pieces of media that you mentioned Dragon Con in and things like that. Yeah. So, um, and that didn't come at all from Disney. Um, of course, this trip was free for us, so mm-hmm. that's something that obviously is a part of our experience, right? But uh, I do think it's important to note too that there wasn't any like, we didn't sign anything for this trip of like, here's what we're going to talk about or here's how we're going to talk about it. Like nothing like that. No one even asked us if we were doing a podcast episode. None, <laughs> literally nothing at all. Um, yeah. So, uh, And I hope if you're a listener of Sky Talkers, then you know that we will be completely honest with our experience here. Um, we did have a great time. We did really enjoy the experience. We'll say that at first. But um, there were some things that I think we commented on and we're talking a lot about throughout our our stay there that we do want to talk about here on the show, too. So I hope you all know that going in. Um, I did also want to say that I thought the everyone that we met on board, like all of the outlets and other influencers who were there, everyone was really nice. But it was really clear that the majority of people that were there that were invited for this media preview were Disney outlets, um, whether they were Disney influencers or Disney outlets, um, those are the majority of the people that were invited. Um, I would say that honestly, it was like 90% Disney focused outlets and 10% explicitly Star Wars focused outlets. Like they had this small reception the day before we went on board the Halcyon for the, for the people who had been invited to the media preview. And Everyone that we met and were like introduced to were 
surprised that we only <laughs> covered Star Wars, um, yeah. which at the time was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's all we do. Um, but then looking <laughs> back, it's like, oh, you know, I kind of wish that there were it felt like an opportunity to have more Star Wars outlets, more explicit Star Wars outlets there. And I don't know, it's one of those things that I would kind of love to know the reasoning behind. But yeah, we were, I think there were maybe, at least that I can remember, maybe four or five other like explicit Star Wars outlets and people that like we recognize from the Star Wars community that were there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I also want to say that it's when you say Disney outlets, I feel like it also includes like the major news outlets too. Yeah. There were reporters there um, from, it was a media preview, right? So mm -hmm. you get the, the, the big guns, right? Like the people who do the travel columns, like I'm sure someone from the New York times was there, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then there was a subsection of like TikTok influencers who have millions of followers. And yeah, like Caitlin mentioned the media reception the night before we went on board. And there was definitely a sense of like, oh my gosh, like everyone around here is has a lot of followers, has a lot of people who look to them and are like big influencers, right? And we were like, whoa, there was a serious sense of imposter syndrome mm -hmm. of, yeah. of, oh my gosh, how are we even here? We've, again, I feel so lucky. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Caitlin's right. There was only like five Star Wars based outlet. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you're going to be hearing a lot about Halcyon, I think, from everyone, <laughs> uh, whether yeah. they were Star Wars, they're, for, they're as Star Wars explicit content creators or everyone else that was there too. Right. But it was good to see people that we actually recognize from the Star Wars community because, yeah, there were fewer of us. So we all <laughs> were kind of like, oh, hey, oh my God, you're here. <laughs> yeah. In, in you. that sense, it was like a miniature celebration. Yeah, it was. And because of the cruise uh, type vibe of this entire experience, there is a sense of you go in with the a crew of like 100 plus people, right? Yeah. And then you see that crew of 100 plus people all the time. So, yeah. which is great. Uh, and you get really familiar with people and like, you know, who's on your star cruiser with you. And if you've ever experienced a, an actual cruise, it really does feel like that where you see people all the time. And yeah, I don't know the people you make new friends and, yeah. um, it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah. I think that's a good kind of lead into basically the overall feeling of the Halcyon is calling it a Star Wars hotel is not correct. <laughs> I kind of yeah. don't know how to say that it is a cruise. And if you've ever been on a cruise, the way so many details about this experience are directly patterned after a cruise ship experience. Like the mm -hmm. way that you're checked in, the way that the luggage is delivered to your room, the way that dining works, onboard entertainment, onboard activities. What Charlotte mentioned about being with the same group of people to the point where it's like, you know, your last breakfast on board, you're like, hey, how, like, how was your night last night? Like with complete strangers, but they're not strangers. They're like your cruise mm -hmm. friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It felt very much like that. And even on our excursion to Batuu, it was like, you see people walking by that are on the cruise with you and you're like, oh, hey, how's your day going? Like, have you done this yet? Have you done this yet? Like, it's very much that vibe. And um, even 
even like the way that the schedules are set out, like people's itineraries and stuff, which I think has been a point of confusion, understandably, for a lot of people who are set to set to set sail in, you know, in March and April, kind of these first excursions, um, these first voyages, uh, like even the activities on there and stuff, those aren't those aren't like hot, like you don't need to go to all of those. You know how like on a cruise ship, they give you like a newsletter every day of like, there's bingo in the lounge at 8am if you want to go. <laughs> it's very similar to that. And I think that even though I, I knew it was knew it was the Star Cruiser, I kept thinking of it as the Star Wars Hotel, even myself. And that's really not what this experience is. It's not an experience mm-hmm. where you go to it and then like you go to Magic Kingdom for half the day and then go to Batuu and then like make your way back to the Star Cruiser. That's not it at all. And like in the sense that on a cruise, you have like your days at sea, you have large chunks of time that you're spending on the ship. That's the same with the Halcyon. There are large chunks of time that you're going to be on the ship. And I noticed some people that maybe sounds like constricting, especially when you're at Walt Disney World. But Charles and I really wanted to be on the ship. <laughs> like even when yeah. we were on Batu for our, you know, port of call, we we were ready to get back on the ship. We missed it <laughs> and we wanted yeah. to get back on board. Yeah. And there's a level there that we should caveat where Caitlin and I have been to Galaxy's Edge a couple of times. Yeah. So there there's a sense of we've we've done it before that I think that that some people who haven't been there before who were going to the Star Cruiser might not feel the way that Caitlin and I felt. It's and yeah. it's not like we had a bad experience at all. I I just want to say that we actually had an amazing experience. Our Batu excursion was great, but it was definitely like, oh, I cannot wait to go back on the Halcyon and continue yeah. with this storyline that we're doing and or just see what's going on and like just roam around. And yeah. uh, when you when we were deep into those days, you get more familiar with like how the entire program of it all really works and what you like and what you don't like. And I'm being vague because I think that we're going to go into that in the spoiler reaction. I don't want to give too much away. It, what Like Caitlin mentioned about how we had been debating about the conversation about how to market something like this, it's hard because it is a land cruise with a role-playing element. And that is tough. So that's why they keep calling it like the two-night experience. And that... The Star Cruiser, I think they, they it was right for them to call it the Galactic Star Cruiser versus like just the Halcyon or Halcyon um, because I think it does get across the concept of the cruise. But what's really cool to me about this entire experience is that it is a completely new product for Disney itself. And as a Disney Parks fan, it's intriguing. It's awesome that Disney is like branching out and trying this new type of way to experience Walt Disney World their intellectual property, my favorite intellectual property, which would be (laughs) Star Wars. And like just trying the the concept of role-playing, dinner cruise, actual cruise, dinner theater, uh, (laughs) and like amazing restaurants within it. And I I felt like I can see the challenges of marketing. And I think that's actually maybe something that we've experienced, uh, Caitlin and I, and everyone who has been like witness to this. However, I think that Caitlin and I, like, we also discussed this too, that star it seems like in our corner of fandom, Star Wars fans were like sold on the concept. I don't think role playing really is that huge of a leap for Star Wars fans to get into. People do RPG games all the time. They create their own characters. Fan fiction is a thing. Role playing is we, we dress up as characters. Yeah, we dress up all the time for celebration, for movie premieres. Like, 
it's part of it, right? It's part of a, a certain someone's fandom experience and like the majority of someone's fandom experience too. So I think as Star Wars fans, we're like, that sounds cool. I want to do that. And the hang up is the price for so many people. And for Disney fans, like on the flip side of like the Disney Park fan, people, it seems like it, this is my perception from like the, the Disney Parks fandom and Twitter and YouTube is that there's a lack of understanding why someone would want to do a role play type situation and like when the price is part of it. And yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to me because while we mentioned that there is like maybe 10% of the people there who strictly cover Star Wars, I think we're sold on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think that we're like, yes, we want to do it. Everyone who I have ever talked to in the Star Wars fandom is like, yes, that sounds amazing. I just don't think it's something that I can possibly do. Yeah. And you don't I don't really see that on the Disney side, except I do see a respect for Disney doing a new type of product. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention also is that this is a two-night cruise, right? Like we're calling it a a, a land cruise, I guess. Yeah. And when Disney started the Disney cruise line, those ships were doing only two night cruises too. And it expanded into what we know today to be like a absolutely huge conglomerate of the cruise ships. And the things did not, in my memory, and I was on one of the first Disney cruise lines when it debuted in the nineties and maybe the two thousands, but in, in the nineties, I guess a long time ago, <laughs> uh, there were things there that needed a lot of like rejiggering and like redoing and re it was a product that like wasn't perfect yet. And I think that a lot of people would say that Disney Cruise Line now, like 20 years later, is is a perfect Disney product. I think it's just something to keep in mind as Disney ventures into like something absolutely brand new that maybe this iteration is not going to be its full potential in like the next five years. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think though it would also be important to say that it felt very complete. Like there yeah, weren't yeah, yeah, yeah. holes in it, I think. Um, no holes in my opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I also think too, kind of talking about the response from Star Wars fans and from Disney Parks fans, it's, I think it's hard to also kind of think about these characters within the story as more than a glorified, like kind of character meet and greet. And that's also really not it. Um, it's so much deeper and expansive than I think people realize. <laughs> Certainly more than I realized. Um, yeah. Maybe that's not true yeah. for others who have been following it even more closely during its development, but it is not a meet and greet. It's not anything like that. It is you are a part of the story and that runs the risk of sounding cheesy, but number one, Star Wars is cheesy and number two, it works and being on this ship pulls you into the story because of that kind of isolation factor, right? Of being on board the ship and only on board the ship you as soon as you enter like Charlotte and I were ready <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> and, and we are not people we're familiar with RPG we've never really done it ourselves you know that's not been a huge part of our personal fandom experience um, yeah. so for people like us to immediately feel like it was something we could fall into and do 
was really exciting. Um, I think the caveat to that also, similar to our Batu caveat, is that Star Wars is something that we're very comfortable with and it is something that we're, of course, very familiar with too. Mm -hmm. So falling into that kind of Star Wars vernacular with the crew members, with with the characters who are crew members, and all of that was very seamless. I will say it wasn't so seamless in the beginning because we doubted how much the crew actually knew about star wars <laughs> and yeah and i think that that was that was on us okay that, that was on us proven wrong. <laughs> um, because the crew on the halcyon the actors the cast members they I don't even want to think about the training that they've gone through. If yes, you do. You want to I, think about I actually it so do. hard. I actually want to know so much about it. But for those cast members that were not uh, Star Wars fans or not as familiar with the franchise uh, going into this uh, this role, this job for them, they knew it all. <laughs> like, and and yeah, I have a story about that too, but I don't want to share it now because it. it brushes on spoiler territory but um if you're a star wars fan and you are on this experience you i think most references your crew is gonna get or they're gonna they're gonna get it um because they knew some deep cuts (laughs) extremely deep cuts yeah and it was shocking yeah yeah (laughs) each cast member i feel like this isn't a spoiler at all actually like each, each cast member on their name tag is from a planet and their their knowledge is extensive of that planet. And I would say Caitlin and I's knowledge of Star Wars planets is also pretty extensive. So we were able to have constant conversations about that. And it was really cool. Yeah. There's so many things like that. Like Caitlin mentioned this sense of like comfort when you walk into the Star Cruiser. And yeah, I think that it's true that Star Wars is a place of comfort for us. So then we automatically feel comfortable in a place that is entirely themed Star Wars that we, it was surprising how fast we wanted to be a part of it. Like when we arrived at the Halcyon, there's a whole, there was a lot of, again, rigmarole around like getting checked in, moving from one hotel to another and everything. And I actually have seen some people online being like, why aren't people dressed up when they post the photo outside the Galactic Star Cruiser sign, which is the only photo that we could possibly take that like wasn't embargoed until this moment. Um, it's because like we were traveling from one hotel to another. And then when we got there, everyone wanted to change super fast. Yeah. And then they did into costumes. Not everyone um, went into costume. If costumes isn't your thing, it's no big deal. You don't have to do that at all if you're planning on going to the, to the Halcyon. But I love dressing up, like just in general. And I felt like this was the perfect environment to do that because you could get wacky with it and like really like choose a character. And I think what would be really cool going forward um, is how people will create their own characters to embody and who they want to be and everything and like how that manifests within this story. I cannot wait to hear about that and everyone's experiences. Because I know there are several people actually who are like crafting an entire personality and like an entire look around what character they want to embody when they and like that they've made up themselves um when they go on the halcyon and that's super cool that's not something caitlin and i did but i sort of wish we did and if we ever get the chance to go again i think i might go along that path yeah 
And as someone who has a love-hate relationship with cosplaying, <laughs> I wanted to be a part of it. So if you're ever, if you're kind of in that same boat with me, um, you, I wanted to do it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> like at the very least, the doing like fun makeup was really yeah, fun. yeah, exactly. And you can, and I think um, because of like the time note, the amount of time we had, like everyone, I would assume that was in this media preview had to prepare. And also, um, like it, it was not all complete Star Wars fans. You know what I mean? I think there, I think even on our cruise, we saw more people, like more of a split in some day, like during some days, during some times of day of people that were in costume versus those that weren't. But I feel like, especially like after these first couple voyages, I feel like the majority of people will be in costume, honestly, because I think a lot of the people that are coming out will be able to attest to just how fun it is to be in the Mm -hmm. costume and how it really does kind of add to the storyline and add to that immersion factor. Um, and, but yeah, like Charlotte said, you, you definitely don't have to. And there were plenty of people who did, who didn't uh, have cosplay or, or anything like that. Um, but we did see a lot of people who did not bring cosplay actively buying clothing pieces because they were like, <laughs> Oh wait, <laughs> I wish I had done this. So, you know, the choice is yours. Anything is on the table. I think no matter what you're wearing, you'll have a great time. Uh, but it was certainly a, a layer that really added to our experience. Overall, Caitlin, why don't we go through and rate some like smaller elements before we dive deeper into our spoiler reaction? And then we can also give like a rating for the entire crew's experience. Okay. So what did you think of the food? Delicious. There was great variety and it was really good. We had bantha on board and that was some of my favorite dishes were the bantha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would say as someone who um, doesn't love the food at in Batu, like I think it could be better. I think the Ronto wrap in Galaxy's Edge is great. And I think that some of the dishes at Docking Bay 7 are great, but I would it's not like my favorite quick service restaurant in all of the Disney theme parks, which I think it should be. And I think that the food on the Halcyon was amazing. I liked every single thing I tried and I was never hungry. Food is included. You never go hungry. There's always an opportunity to have a snack. There's snacks everywhere. There's food that you can order everywhere. And it was like we were constantly being fed. And that was really cool. And the food was really inspired and really cool. Looks really visually appealing. Like you want to take a photo of like basically every single thing. And I know that's important for some people, including myself. So I wanted to mention it. And it felt like it was inspired by Star Wars. Um, We talked to some people who said that, uh, who work for Disney, who said that the chefs were really inspired by like the planets. They went away for like two to three weeks and like watched all the Star Wars and like really got into it and really studied the planets. And you can tell in a lot of ways about like how things are inspired by certain parts of Star Wars. And it's really cool. But also there's some dishes that I think are going to be like iconic to Halcyon in the future. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed the food as someone who is not picky, but like definitely loves food. It's a huge part of any sort of vacation or anything I do. And it gets like a 
I know we're not really rating things based off of like a numerical system, but it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It was great. Yeah. And I think to the presentation of it, especially for something that is priced quite high, like the Star Cruiser is, it's important. And I think that Halcyon delivered on it. Like mm-hmm. even like you hear like the lunchtime is a buffet, right? And you hear that and it sounds kind of like, oh, a buffet, but it's a nice buffet and everything yeah. is plated individually and really nicely too. Um, there's a lot of like every meal was unique. The lunchtime buffets had a few repeats in the dishes that were served, but they, I think they were like the they will be like the best sellers if I can yeah, use that that's analogy. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, like when we saw them on the second day, I was really excited that they were back. I was like, oh good. I Same. really wanted to eat this again. Um, Same. But there's variety at both lunch buffets and a lot of variety too. Um, it's definitely not like the majority of repeat dishes. But um, yeah, the presentation of everything from the drinks to the food uh, in the uh, Crown of Corellia and also in the Starlight Lounge too, where there are different uh, food options. It was, presentation was incredible. The dishware that was chosen for the Halcyon, so obsessed. So Every time something <laughs> came out, Charlotte and I went, would steal would take this would steal, <laughs> would would steal. steal. <laughs> even the glassware for the drinks it was just it was all really well done in that sense yeah. so yeah I think that's an yeah. important element for an experience like this yeah so let's talk about drinks too because Caitlin and I like a nice drink and again it's a big part of our vacation experience and drinks are not included on the Halcyon um and because of that I think that when you do buy a drink it needs to be really special we tried most of the cocktails on tried all of them. <laughs> we there were two that we didn't try that's true. and that's that's okay cuz the other ones the the two that we didn't try are like actually already drinks like it was a negroni and i can't remember the other one but it wasn't like something super duper special we didn't do, like no, we tried no it was we didn't do the super special one the oh no okay one. maybe it's fine. But it's we, fine. It's fine. The, the reason we didn't get that one is because we knew we wouldn't like it. Um, yeah. It had a couple of ingredients <laughs> in there that we knew just were not for us. And that's why we didn't get it. But we saw someone else get it. And it's and it looked cool. It looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looked cool. Yeah. So the thing is, is that I think that each drink was really special. And I'm really glad that we tried what we tried. Um, I think the alcohol content was uh, fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, And I think each drink was, like I mentioned before, pretty inspired by a planet or something familiar in Star Wars. And I will say, if you are an Oga's Cantina on Batuu regular, the drinks are completely different to that, Mm -hmm. which is really fun too, because I think that, you know, I don't know what I was going to say. I'm going to say, let me just repeat. It's really fun that they're different and the experience feels different because I would say that the cocktails on the Halcyon are fancier than obviously what you're going to get at Oga's Cantina in this like story element kind of way, I guess. All right. Let's move on to our next kind of category of overall luxury because this is a luxurious experience. So yeah, was it luxurious enough? So this is a really, really complicated question. Um, I think if you have done any sort of research into the Galactic Star Cruiser, you've probably seen that people talk about how the rooms are small. Caitlin and I each had our own individual room, and we were 
surprised by, I think we went in with low expectations and we were surprised by like how much we liked the room and being in the room. I say, I would say, so we were in a deluxe Disney resort on the night before we came to, before we came to the Halcyon and the beds on the Halcyon are the same as the deluxe resort beds. So that's a factor. And it, it's a big deal if you're familiar with Disney hotels in the deluxe, moderate, and value resort structure. Because I've seen a lot of people say that the rooms on the Halcyon look like they're value resort rooms. And they actually don't. Like they don't e- exist in that same sphere because there's robes, there's places to put your um, your clothes, there's comforters on the bed, and the bed feels really fluffy and luxurious and you don't want to get out of it. And there's a lot of pillows on the bed. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, and that sounds really small to say, but it really does make a really big difference when you're so busy all day that you want to like lie down. Well, and when there's you're in a, Disney World, there's the bad the beds make a really big difference. Well, and there's a difference between the beds and like a mound of pillows at the different yes. levels of resorts. So, like it's not, it's not the strangest of details to point out because Disney has the right. details themselves already. Yeah. There's no bathtub though, which I think is an interesting choice. The shower, however, Caitlin and I both agreed, very nice because it's a rain shower. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> I was like, gotta wash my hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, like, I think that there, it, it's tight. Um, Caitlin and I both agreed that two people, I think it would be fine. More than two people in that room, it would be tight because it's for an experience in which we spent like 10 minutes talking about costumes and wanting to wear costumes, there is not that much place to put your luggage. In fact, that there were there was no luggage rack in our room, which is a problem for someone like me who overpacks. And uh, I think there were features in our room that we did not discover, I will say, <laughs> um, including we found out that there's like another bed that comes out from the wall underneath the TV. Had no idea about that until we were literally leaving. So we couldn't, we had already checked out of our room. We couldn't test test that at all. And there's some really cool features in the room though that do make it feel luxurious. First off, the lighting is actually really good. And there's a lot of like quality ambient lighting and uh, amazing mirrors. Um, which also is a really big factor, especially when costuming is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And photos are a big deal. The mirror situation is really nice and I expect it to have been good because they want it to look bigger, I guess, but it really does feel like a cruise cabin. Again, if you've been on a cruise, it really feels like a cruise cabin. It's a cool cruise cabin, but it's a small cruise cabin where you don't want to stay in it because you want to like continue to do all the fun stuff outside. Like that's the goal of a cruise cabin, yeah. I feel like. And, but the, a major thing, like two huge, like cool elements, actually three cool elements of this room that made it feel luxurious is there is an in-room droid that speaks to you. And uh, that's super cool. D3, Caitlin, do you want to say anything about D3? I love D3. I didn't think I would love her. But I did. I kind of thought she would just be, I don't know, not great, honestly. I I, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect from D3. AI sort of like robots that you talk to and they talk back. Like Disney doesn't really have a good track record of that. Uh, Like I'm thinking about like Mike Wazowski's like laugh floor in Magic Kingdom or like Turtle Talk with Crash. Like 
that concept to me is always so gimmicky. Like, it's almost there. Yeah, yeah, it's gimmicky. It doesn't feel right, but yeah. D three. Go ahead. D three. I think works though. Honestly, uh, every time I came into my room, I wanted to talk to her, and I think that kind of says it all. <laughs> um, exactly. She, she does talk a lot. I will say, like, if you're gonna turn her on you're glued in for at least three to five minutes. <laughs> um, but it's cool because then it when you get into your room, you you turn her on and you say, hi, D3, and she says hi back. And you it's almost like you're Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back when yeah. he's like getting ready to go off you know, in the, in the, in the snow, whatever. Yeah. In the snow, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, you feel really cool. Like you're getting ready and you're talking to your droid. It is so It neat. is fun. Yeah. Like I would like be changing for dinner and getting and talking to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, and of course she is following the storyline of the ship as well. So she's asking you questions about what's happened and she has her own kind of little mini storylines as well that you help her with from your room, which again, sounds a little gimmicky, sounds a little cheesy but I think it works really well with D3 actually um, and I hope this isn't a spoiler but you should absolutely listen to her lullaby and bedtime story when you can because um, yeah. they're worth it. Super cool. But yeah I enjoyed D3 actually way more than I thought I would. Like I said I, I turned yeah. her on every time I came in my room. <laughs> yeah it's super cool and um, she knows a lot of information about you based off of you tap your your magic band that they give you this exclusive magic band which is really special and like super cool <laughs> um, when you want to talk to her and so she knows where you are in your own storyline and like what you've done asks you specific questions and the responses are immediate and like yeah. I even tested it with sort of weird responses and she picked up on it right away the AI was really good in my opinion yeah um, and then the other two elements of the sort of like cool things in the room are the spaceport, obviously. So the, instead of a window, you have a spaceport. It is so cool. <laughs> okay. Um, and it follows your story, right? So like it follows the entire – it's not just unique to your room. It's actually unique yeah. to the Star Cruiser. So if we go to light speed, your room also goes to light speed. And you have a we're, we're on a set course since this is a cruise and so then on the tv it'll say your name and it'll tell us where we are so at some point we're like going over um coruscant and yeah coruscant is in the viewport and we're going around it and like it's it's just really really cool however something that caitlin and i debated before we got there was do we want to like fall asleep with the spaceport open or not. And I think Caitlin and I both agreed that that's what we really wanted to do. We wanted to like fall asleep with like space outside. And uh, you can't because there's lights that go around it and the lights are so bright. So there's no way to have the spaceport open and then the lights also off. Um, I hope that they fix that in the future. And also you can't turn off the spaceport from your bed, which is uh, I think a problem because you want to like get cozy in bed and like watch the stars outside and you can't because you have to like do this sort of big button push to turn off the space for <laughs> you know and I think so that to me felt like an element that would have boosted the luxury level because it would be like um, automatic curtains or automatic shades or something that you would do from your bed and that would feel more spacey um but yeah, I think the luxurious now, like, I think we're talking a lot about the room or I'm talking a lot about the room, but I think the ship actually does feel really luxurious, especially for Disney. And it just feels really, 
shiny and new <laughs> and the um the dining room is really gorgeous and the atrium is really cool too i think the atrium actually could have been more grand and i think caitlin and i both agreed on that right mm-hmm. but um it's still a really cool place and the the bar feels really luxurious like there are things that are like quite nice about the the place that um surprised me and there's like even when we went on our Batu excursion like they greet us with waters and um moist towelettes and things like that that just felt really special and really um deluxe in a Disney sense especially if you're familiar with deluxe like what deluxe looks like for Disney it felt like that and that was cool yeah i completely agree i do think that the like you said the spaceport not being able to be open at night honestly one of my biggest critiques <laughs> yeah it's so it's funny but yeah, it's a big deal because it, it it's a is. big thing yeah yeah it kind of <laughs> is um and yeah there's like one other like major thing that i would change that is a little bit more spoiler heavy so i can't really mention it here but the spaceport is surprisingly the other one um i was really and it's so cool I think that's too like opening up like the fact that all of your doors are basically like pocket doors, right? So it feels like that kind of Star Wars door of of opening um, and you open your door and down the hallway, you could see the spaceport like when you first come in. It's such a great reveal and it looks so good. And yeah, like the timing with because yes, we're on a cruise ship and we pass like certain planets and stuff, but the cruise ship takes some detours every now and again um, for a sundry of reasons. And yeah, it's it's all perfectly timed. Like it's not random. And when Charlotte and I realized that, I don't know, maybe like the next morning we were like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> it was really fun to realize that. Um, but yeah, I really wish we could have slept with the spaceport open. And I do hope that is something they change in the future because it's super cool. Okay. So moving on to the next category is, did it feel like Star Wars and like the Star Wars-ness of it all? I I think it did. I think that, I think there are some like decorative elements that maybe I would have changed or added to. Like, I think the big one for me was the bridge area. And I think I felt this even before we got on board. It's definitely very impressive in person in a way that it isn't in photographs, but it still feels like there's like, it's, a little too spacey rather than Star Warsy, and it's that's a very fine line, I think. And I think that the activity that you do in the bridge kind of necessitates that. Like I kept saying, like I want there to be more buttons, but what you do in the bridge, I think, necessitates that kind of um, more stripped down look that I think a lot of people have commented on the bridge. So I think that's a hard thing to fix. But overall, it felt very Star Wars to me. And you and I talked about this a lot, especially in Batu. I think it's hard sometimes with Star Wars because even though we are we have been introduced to luxurious places in canon with Star Wars. We're never there for very long, it feels like. And that's never the centerpiece of the story. It's not, it's not usually the set. Um, I think perhaps 
the most luxurious set that we spend a lot of time in in Star Wars, aside from like Canto Bight, is honestly like the supremacy with uh, Snoke's red room. Like that, for some, even though that's a very blank slate in a lot of ways, that feels that room feels very luxurious. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I just feel like we're not as used to seeing luxurious, good places in Star Wars and not used to staying there for a long time. So I, I think it takes a minute or two to get acclimated to that kind of space um something that isn't dirty or lived in or used because we're so used to hearing those kind of buzzwords around star wars especially when we're talking about like the development of a new hope and george's whole monologue right of you're dropped into the story it's not a shiny place it's a a used you know, land speeder that Luke has, the Millennium Falcon is always in need of repair. Like these are things we're very accustomed to as Star Wars fans uh, and something we naturally kind of equate to its aesthetic. And that's not wrong, of course, but, you know, this is just a new piece into the Star Wars vernacular and into the canon and spending a lot of time in this very pristine place is, I think, different from a lot of the core Star Wars aesthetics, um, a lot of the uh, quote-unquote original Star Wars aesthetics. So in that sense, I think it's very different, and it definitely takes a second to get used to, especially compared to a place like that, too. That being said, though, I think it is incredibly Star Wars. I think especially, honestly, like the reveal of the atrium was really great, but walking down the hallway to our rooms, that for me, I don't know why, but that I was like, oh, okay, like... This, I'm in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I think because yeah. it's like the like it's a gray hallway with like all these like kind of sporty <laughs> doors, which I know isn't like the best sell, but um, I I don't know. We've seen hallways like that so often in movies too, in the Star Wars films, uh, and everything else that it just that I think was like, oh, okay, cool. This I'm I'm getting into it now, and especially once you start exploring some more of like the bowels of the ship that there you get some really great like Star Wars elements and um, it really the whole ship kind of comes together the more that you explore it Um, and I think it feels really Star Wars and honestly a huge part of that Star Wars feeling is the crew like I can't overstate how incredible they all were Um, they and like like we mentioned earlier they're just sheer knowledge of Star Wars adds to that 100% um, in a huge, huge way. I really don't think you can understate that enough of how much they really added to it. And I think they did a great job. And um, I hope that they feel really good about uh, this uh, kind of rehearsal experience uh, that they had with us. So it was really great. Mm -hmm. But I think it felt Star Wars. I really do. Um, It's definitely a luxury Star Wars experience. And it's luxury in universe as well. And I think totally. I think it worked. I really do. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so what about the role playing concept and the activities? The role playing and activities are great. Um, of course, I don't feel like we can share too much without it being too spoilery, but it it goes as deep as you want it to. And I know that that's kind of been on the marketing a lot, and I think that's very true. And But it, it's fun the further in it you go. And I know if you're like introverted, that can feel maybe like not exactly what you want to do. But I think that the Halcyon, the Star Cruiser experience overall tries really hard to make sure that all of the major story elements 
are happening in cruise-wide events, that you're not missing anything crucial if you're not going on these little side adventures and stories. I think they did a really good job of managing that because honestly, there's a lot of moving pieces in this story. And the fact that they were able to convey kind of the big picture story elements throughout like to everyone and in multiple ways I think is really impressive yeah there was like several occasions where Caitlin and I were like okay so that's a big story element that has been conveyed to us in four separate ways so that if you were you you would access that in any of these four different ways even if you missed one of the other ones um and who knows if there was even more than four but those were some of the ones that we caught when like the storyline would progress um i found myself really sort of addicted to the role playing and activities i know caitlin did too and it took us a like a hot sec to get into it mm-hmm. because you basically you choose your allegiances and you choose like who you want to follow um and of course like you don't have to do any of this at all but it's, it is fun too, because like Caitlin mentioned, the cast members are, and the actors are like so good and so believable that you want to be around them just to see what will happen. And, uh, what's a really fun thing is that actually Caitlin and I chose opposite sides. This isn't a spoiler, but it was really cool to see how our entire situation, like we got on different tracks and that was so neat. And, um, because of that, like, I, I don't know. I just found it really cool. And I, I found myself like, I don't know, like wanting, wanting more from it, like in, in a, in a positive sense. Right. Like I wanted to continue to do this for like four more days because yeah. it was just living in the world was so great. I will say again, it took us a second to get into the, how to use the app and the data pad. Um, we figured it out and they are really, really helpful and have several like places in which to like learn how to use it to your best of abilities. But for me with things like this, like with technology, I learned so much better from doing. So I wish I was a little bit more familiar with like the play Disney app and like how it all works just a little bit before. Um, And I think that you are at an advantage if you've done that before in galaxy's edge, like done the hacking and things like that. Um, Because that's a thing (laughs) and it's, it's cooler in, the Galactic Star Cruiser than it is like on Batu. I will tell you that. Um, but that's definitely something that I think was like a, a barrier of entry, at least like in the first three hours of our cruise. And then we sort of got it and we really got it more in the, like the one full day that we're there. Um, in the morning, I felt like, okay, my data pad. And then even when we left, <laughs> we were like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm, I'm missing a limb without my data pad. <laughs> and it wasn't like we were glued to our phones either. Cause I know that that is some, some people's like hang up about this is that you're going to be looking at like a tiny screen for the entire time. You're really not. It, it all comes together, right? You would agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think a nice component to one, it's an iPhone that you're given that's your data pad um, and they give you like the chargers and stuff for it. And I think a really nice inclusion is that they give you a portable charger with it too. So you can charge that and bring it with you. So hopefully you're never in the situation where the iPhone is dying and you have to like go, the data pad is dying and you have to go back to your room and charge it because they do give you a portable charger, which I thought was a really nice, you know, kind of luxurious addition. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. All right. Let's move on to the merch that was available on board the Halcyon. I feel like a lot of this has been publicly shared, but 
the costumes are really cool. It's pretty clear that people bought a lot of it. And, but I was really surprised with some of the merch options. I actually think that this goes more into our luxury category where I think that there was some like almost hotel specific merch that was included in this that you wouldn't necessarily see in um, Batu. I will say that we bought everything at the gift shop with our own money and uh, we did a lot of damage. <laughs> um, they have like super cool um, wine stoppers. We got stuff for giveaways. So look out for that if you follow us on socials. Um, they have really neat like pens and like a cool notebook. They have character merch, which is really neat. The first day you get there, you're like, who are these characters? Yeah, you're like, I'm like, why never. do I care? Yeah. And by the end, you're like, huh, I want all their merch. <laughs> like, maybe I need it. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. And then on your last day, when you're checking out outside, they actually open a sort of outdoor Halcyon um, purchase station that you can buy stuff at that like has more like t-shirts and stuff and less like in-universe things. Um and so I would say that the merch was really quality. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my credit card agrees. <laughs> yeah, and so, yep. did, so did our suitcases. Trying to uh, get it all back in, uh, back to planet Earth in one piece. <laughs> what a nightmare! Probably what the most a nightmare! Part of our journey was uh, repacking. Honestly, yeah. uh, mainly yeah. because we both got the uh, the Padme cloak, and she bulky. <laughs> yeah. Super bulky. Yeah. So we got a we got a, a couple other stuff too that yeah. really took up a lot of room, but we should have accounted for that. But like when you're bringing costumes, it just takes up so much room in your suitcase. Anyway, yeah. So I think the merch is really good. One thing I wanted to talk about here is the Batu excursion, and I know that this is a like a contention for some people who look at the schedule and they're like, I can't believe I can't go to any other theme parks or anything like that, um, or like how are the logistics of it all? Can you go, can you come and go as you please? Like Caitlin and I mentioned earlier, we wanted to spend the most time on the Halcyon and we were really excited when we were able to come back. But the Batu excursion was really cool because it was also part of the story and that added a whole other element to exploring Batu. And it was really neat because they give you I think this is a, a good point, actually, is that they give you an experience pass for um, like a fast pass for the Millennium Falcon ride and Rise of the Resistance. And there's a lot of like special privilege that you get around those that it's really cool. And then you have a whole separate entrance that you can come and go as you please. If you buy something, you can give it to a cast member in the separate entrance and they will hold it and bring it back to your your cabin for you back on the star cruiser so when caitlin and i got back after we bought a bunch of stuff we it was in our room w ready for us which was like that did disney magic or star wars magic yeah and that was really cool and we had a lot of fun they make um oga's reservations for you and then that also has a story element and just everything you get to go to docking bay seven you wear a pin that is uh that indicates that you are part of the Galactic Star Cruiser. So there's a level of like spe specialness that comes with that and um, it pays off. It's just really cool. And the entire experience is really cool. Coming from the Halcyon into the park was way better themed than I could have even thought. The backstage looks really good and the level of immersion wasn't broken. And it's actually something Caitlin and I were worried about 
about this like transition being yeah the transition of like being with our tight-knit group that we had even it just like from a half day had come accustomed to and like we had made a bunch of friends and things like that and then being dumped into a theme park we were like I don't know if this is going to work especially a theme park that we were familiar with it worked and they did a really good job with transitioning with the transport that you get there which uh really worked for Caitlin and I and then also there's like a brand new pathway that it lets you off from I mentioned they have the towelettes and the water it's it, that's a level of luxury that uh, was really nice and special and something I'm going to miss the next time we go to bed. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say that like, so while we were on Batu, we thought about leaving to go to another part of the park, but ultimately decided we didn't want to break the, the immersion element of it by leaving, you know, quote unquote, Star Wars land. Um, and I don't think that other people really left either. I don't know if they actually had time to, um, because you're not, you don't stay in bed to the whole day. Um, you're there for a good chunk of the day, definitely, but you're not there like till park close, for example. Um, I will say also though, that I think if, like we were there on a really busy week. So I imagine that if you were on Star Cruiser on a less busy week that you might actually have time to go to another uh, part of Hollywood Studios or another ride or something like that. I can't say if I would recommend it. Um, we thought about it, definitely, but we didn't ultimately do it. We also didn't have time ultimately to do it. Um, but yeah, I think that's something you could consider uh, if you wanted to, but you have plenty to do in Batu, actually. And yeah, there's something nice about just kind of strictly staying in this Star Wars world. But again, Charlotte and I are really familiar with Batu and also with Hollywood Studios. This is not a first time experience for us uh, in Hollywood Studios by any stretch of the imagination. So that definitely contributed to our uh, experience and like feeling of, yeah, let's just like wander and stay in Batu for this time and then, you know, only go back to the Halcyon. Yeah. I think that is, I think that's going to vary from passenger to passenger, yeah. honestly. But if, if I had to recommend anything, I would recommend just staying in Batu just because I think it's, you don't get the chance to just have, to be like dumped into part of this like really highly themed land. Like you don't have to walk through any bits of Hollywood studios to get there. You are dropped right in. And the level of immersion there, I think is what they were originally going for with that land. Um, and to like be a part of that is really cool if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the last one that I think we should talk about is the value. And personally, like I don't, know if we can even fully talk about that because again we were hosted but I think it's it's worth mentioning because it is a point of contention and something that is talked about a lot with the Star Cruiser and something we've already talked about in this episode. I think it's no like secret that the Star Cruiser is a really luxury expensive experience and personally I think it's about a thousand dollars too expensive. That's that is my like that's where I come down. I think um, I think it's a thousand dollars too expensive, especially when it doesn't include alcohol. I think that it's hard because Disney is so expensive now that like I it's I expect that at this point. Like Disney just keeps raising their prices like fifteen percent every single year, maybe every yeah. single 
like every other quarter, basically, that I also think that like basically everything at Disney is a thousand dollars too expensive and especially luxury resorts. So on a scale, I'm like, okay, I think that this could have been like slightly cheaper, um, it, like given the price tag. I, I think the prices will vary in the future. I don't see them going up in the price. However, Disney does that. So I can't, I should probably shouldn't say that. But if I were to price it myself, I would say that it is somewhere between like a thousand to fifteen hundred less than what it is marketed at. And that, I hope that doesn't come off as like negative to the experience. I just think Disney overall is too expensive and like it prices out all huge number of families. And while this is a luxury experience and a luxury ticket, I think it is too expensive for what it is, especially within the Walt Disney World Park. Yeah, I think I would have to agree with you on that. And I think that especially for big Star Wars fans, like for the Star Wars community, I just know how much I feel like our experience was so much deeper just because we're so much from so much more familiar with this world that I want I want so many other people to be able to experience it too and even bringing it down that you know $1,500 that's a big difference like that's not a small amount of money either in and of itself so totally that in some ways that that feels more attainable um, and I think that bringing down to that price point also is warranted, I think, too, especially when you're looking at like the standard cabins that we've kind of already talked about, especially for like a family of really more than two people. It's getting a little tight in there, honestly, for as nice as all of the physical things in that room are, it's still a small room. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I also, I just want to interrupt you for a second. I don't think we talked about how the bunks are actually way roomier than they look online. They are. Yeah, they and actually are. It's it's surprising. They're like a standard twin size, maybe a little bit bigger, like more like a like twin extra wider. long. Yeah, they feel long. They feel wide. They feel yeah. like specially made. And it it was like I could fit myself plus more yeah. <laughs> if I really wanted to. Yeah. And it was surprising. And I don't want to, I don't mean to detract from what you're saying about the price point, but I, we didn't mention that. And I know that that was like a big thing for some people. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a good inclusion. Like I think about if my like seven year old nieces were with me, they would probably share a bunk and they would have plenty of room doing that. Like they would sleep. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, like one's head on one end and one on the other, and they would be perfectly fine with that. Um, and they would have plenty of room. So yeah, I do think the bunks are wider and more spacious than they actually come across in photographs. And honestly, if I were a kid, I would love that. And I feel like people have made a lot of fun mm -hmm. of the bunks, but they're cool. I think they're cool. I went up in the top one for a little bit and like watched the stars from the spaceport. <laughs> it was really cool. Okay. Um, yeah. The ladder is definitely kid size. Uh -huh. <laughs> small ladder. <laughs> But it was really fun. And they have like their own little nightlight in there too in each of the bunks that kind of pop out from the wall. Um, it's it's cool. It's a cool uh, like component, I think. And they are more spacious than they look. But yeah, I think, you know, the experience was great. Um, the, it felt complete. I thought that the food was all incredible. Um the drinks were great. The story itself was really great. And I'm excited to talk about that. The immersion was top notch. Like, I think it, I think it's a great experience. Um, but because it being like, if it was maybe three days, 
maybe that like price point that it's at now might make a little bit more sense, three and a half, you know, something like that. But I think at this like kind of two day marker that we're at right now, it is a tad too expensive, especially considering you really only have one full day. And part of that day is in Batu. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of something to consider uh, when you're thinking about like the trip as a whole. You know, you come, I forget what the earliest time is you can arrive uh, on board the Halcyon, but it's not like in the morning. I think it's, aren't you supposed to arrive between like one and four? Yeah. I, I could be very wrong about that, but it's not a situation where you can arrive at like 9 a.m. It's definitely not that early. So I think thinking about those kind of aspects to it, I do think it's still a little bit too pricey, but it was a great experience. Right. Um, and one that I want to do again in the future. Yeah. And I can't at that price point now unless I went in with a, like a lot of friends in that small room. But yeah, um, I think that I, what? I was going to say, I wonder, I bet they would, but I wonder if they would have, like, if you could fully unpack and they would like put your luggage somewhere. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Because that is definitely a level of luxury. It is. But then it's like, are you fully unpacking for two days? Especially if you have like kids and like so much. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you are. Um, That's not a thing that I tested, but um, yeah, I don't know. just came to me. Yeah. I think that some people are like major unpackers when it comes to a hotel like this, that I could see people doing that and then they take away the luggage. Um, There's also a family suite. We didn't see those, but I know that they have family suites that are a little bit bigger and have more components to it. Um, I don't think there's that many because there's not that many suites or rooms to begin with, which is actually a major plus in my opinion, is that everything feels really close. I think if you've ever seen a Disney hotel, you know, everything is super far apart. So this experience of, Oh, let me just dash to my room. It takes like two minutes to get there. And that was really, really nice. It is so close to the atrium. It's so close to the dinner. Everything was really close together and it felt so cozy in that way. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. I love that feeling. Me too. Okay, so let's talk about the overall experience and you can rate it however you want. What did you think about this experience, Caitlin? I loved it. I really loved it. As a huge Star Wars fan, this is this is it, I think. This is it was really fun. It surprised me. The story itself on board surprised me. It was exciting. It was it was really exciting. And I think that um, it was cool to experience something really brand new for a theme park. I think that level of like newness uh, really added to the overall experience. And yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that we were we were able to have it. Um, it is. Yeah, it. it feels once in a lifetime in a lot of ways. And I know Cheryl and I both said we really hope we can go back. And honestly, I'm sure we will at some point, but it's going to be a lot of saving to get to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it was a great experience and I'm really grateful we were able to have it. Um, yeah. For me, it was a 15 out of 10 type of experience. Like yeah. literally some of the best experiences of my life. Like it was so cool. It really was like a Star Wars fan's dream. And 
like I mentioned, I really was shocked by how fast I grew to love like basically everything about the ship from the characters to the food to the immersion. I wanted to stay there forever. Yeah. And I think this was really reflected in the fact that like when we were checking out, basically every kid was crying and didn't want to leave. And it was like an emotional experience to get there and then also to leave. And you really have this like real sense of emotional like attachment because you grow to love the ship. And like, it's really, it's really interesting how, um, I feel like people are going to be watching videos about like things that happen on the ship and you guys like, you're not going to get how wrapped up in it you get. (laughs) It's so silly, but it's true. And like, it was so cool. I would do it again in a heartbeat. In fact, if they ever did like a week long thing, that's what, that would be like the dream, the apex. Yeah. That's what we would say for Yeah, that's what we would say for because it was so amazing and I loved it. Like there wasn't an element about it that like there are things that I would change, but there was nothing that made me like uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. no weirdness. Like I loved it and I was – my expectations were like blown out of the water. I loved it. Yeah. Like take me back. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ready for that transport once again. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I think this will conclude our spoiler-free discussion, and Caitlin and I are now going to go day by day and talk about things that we loved. Yeah. I'm so excited to do this. So without further ado, let's get into part two. Welcome to part two, where we're going to give our spoiler reaction and talk really openly about this entire experience. So you've been warned. We're going to talk about all the story elements and things that we discovered and did. I'm sure we'll leave out some things because so many things happened, but let's get into it and let's start with day one. So like I had mentioned, we were staying in the Grand Floridian for the night before. Disney had put us there and it again, that was like a luxury experience <laughs> in its own right. We were like overwhelmed that we were going to be staying there and it was really cool and really interesting, except Caitlin had some weirdness that happened to her in her room. Oh my God. Um, I, I don't know if you want. Do you want to share? <laughs> all right. I've, I've never stayed in the Grand Floridian, so I was super pumped <laughs> to be there. Um, had a great view from my room. But when I was on the phone with Charlotte talking about my view from the balcony, I come back into my room and I noticed that there are these weird stains on my curtains like the like translucent kind of gauzy curtains leaning out onto the balcony, you know how like, you know, hotels feel like the double curtain thing. Anyway, they definitely looked like blood stains. was super uncomfortable. <laughs> Had to call the front desk and they were like, what do you need? And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I don't really know, but like <laughs> my curtains. There are, there's blood on my curtains. <laughs> blood stains on my curtains. And they're like, oh, all right, well, someone's coming. <laughs> They, they okay just just to breeze past this they fixed them they replaced the curtains they did they did they did it and was like nice. a uh i think like a, a hotel manager or something came it wasn't just like a maintenance person who came to look at it it was like a woman with like a headset and like an ipad and she was like all right well we are definitely gonna throw those away <laughs> and she's like well, gonna be up here really soon and they're gonna replace them she's like do you want them to look the same or does it matter because they have like little mickeys on these curtains and i was like yeah i do not care as long as there are no 
blood stains on them. <laughs> um, so it was kind of a an interesting introduction to the Grand Floridian. Um, but aside from that, it was of course a, a a great hotel room, comfortable beds, fluffy robes. Love that component of it. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, the fluffiest robe. Yeah. Actually, the robes in the Halcyon, the Halcyon were fluffier. Were, my robe, actually, your robe was fluffy at the Grand Floridian. Mine was not. Mine was like a yeah. waffle knit like that kind of but yours was actually I like a waffle knit too I do too yeah but I was excited for the fluffy halcyon robe yeah so nice um okay so then from the Grand Floridian we all got on a bunch of different buses to take us to the halcyon and it was interesting because the way that they do it is that I don't know if this was just for the media day the media days or what but my thought is that they will probably give you a time to show up for your like your reservation because you enter something called like a pod, which is essentially an elevator, right? But there's only so they can't handle every single person coming to the front of the hotel at the same time. So they staggered us. And so we didn't really get to the hotel until like 233 um, when everything really started at one. Right, Caitlin? Yeah. Yeah. I actually want yeah. to talk about this entrance because I've been thinking a lot about it because it was something that I wasn't sure how I felt when we first. Yeah got there because one actually this is the other big thing that I imagine they are actively changing about the exterior and the drive up to the house you know at least I hope so <laughs> because when you they will yeah, sight lines are a huge thing exactly exactly um when you drive up to the halcyon you actually end up driving like behind it and then around it to get to the front entrance that is done up to look like you know an in-universe kind of lobby entrance um or I guess I should say like drop off um but you drive behind it and like there was a food truck in the back for the crew and uh you are behind Batu, so you can see all of the you know scaffolding and wooden structures for the spires of Batu and stuff like that um so I definitely think that that is something that they need to change because and and all of that is very gray when you're pulling up. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's not the best entrance right now. And I imagine it probably won't be for a while, but I hope that that is something they're actively changing because yeah, the kind of pool around of the entire building itself um, is not, is not it in my opinion, to be quite honest. Um, But then also when you pull up to the Halcyon, they have, you know, like the sign that everyone posted the picture of because that was the only picture we could post of like, you know, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and everything like that. And it's this big um, kind of recessed uh, entrance that is all concrete, right? And then you walk down this pretty narrow (laughs) concrete hallway. um, After going through security. Yes. After you go through security um, and after you get your data pad, they gave us our data pads and like checked our luggage outside. Um, That might be different in the future, but that's where we had all of those things happen. Um, And you, when you're walking like through security and in the entrance, they have Star Wars music playing, like the main theme and everything like that. And I remember thinking like, why are they playing Star Wars music? Like, isn't this supposed to be immersive? Like we're not hearing Star Wars music in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that like to jump ahead, you don't hear Star Wars music again until the very end of the storyline. And for me, it really is like 
you're in your own Star Wars story. So it makes sense that when you get there, you're hearing like the, the main, main theme. theme because your Star Wars your... story is starting. It's like your crawl yes. in a lot of ways. Um, so you're hearing Star Wars music when you start. And then there's this very stark transition from going down through these kind of corridors of like gray concrete rooms to getting on the transport and then the reveal of like this red and white um, like atrium and the rest of the ship. It's a very specific transition. And I don't think I fully appreciated it when we got there um, and when we went through it. But reflecting back on it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like the Star Wars music and like at the end of the story, this is really jumping ahead. There are Again, these are all spoilers, but there are fireworks in space. And that's the next time you hear the Star Wars music. And it's like end credit (laughs) Star Wars music. You know what I mean? And because that's we've reached the end of the story now, like these are the end credits, like everything that you're experiencing in that moment. I don't know. Like it made sense to me once we got to the end of the story and it didn't when I first arrived and I was kind of thrown off a little bit by it honestly but I think that now I think the transition works really well of like letting the audience cross like one the music is an audio cue that a Star Wars story is beginning and um, then going through the hallway and where they have the safety video for you all of that being very stripped down the gray concrete it's like crossing a threshold in a lot of ways for you to get in, like to kind of clear your own mind to get into your own Star Wars story. And then you take the transport up and you're in it. And like Charlotte and I have been talking about, you fall into the story really quickly. Um, so yeah, that, like I said, I, I thought, I thought that the entrance and check-in threw me off a little bit, but I think looking back at the story as a whole, it makes a lot of sense for me. And I think it's actually really clever that kind of using the traditional Star Wars music as bookends because that's Mm -hmm. how they actually work (laughs) in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. I actually would even go a step further and say that there's an obtuse obtuse angle basically when you enter the, from the outside area when you check your bags and everything to go down this long hallway that almost mimics your own crawl yeah. like in that same sense um and I think that had to be part of the original design it just makes sense to me because it is so specific the design is strange it is and like it it just you're right in the fact that it like it's a blank slate for you to start something new and clear your own mind um it's curious because I also think that maybe one of the reasons why you were kind of like it was a jarring experience for you is because we were, we were both pretty nervous for the experience Yeah. Um, where you get, we got off the bus and we were like, Oh my gosh, we're here. Ashley Eckstein was like close by. Like we were seeing a lot of people. It was like really overwhelming. (laughs) We didn't know where to put our stuff. And like also the cast members themselves were also nervous because this is like the first major stay that they've done. Um, Like, I don't know about you, but my cast members were like shaking a little bit and, um, it was fine. I mean, that's not a negative experience at all. I think we're all just really nervous about the entire thing. <laughs> we're in it together. Yeah. And um, yeah, so Mark Daniel actually does the safety presentation, which I thought was really amazing. If you follow Mark Daniel at all, 
um, he does some of the intros at Star Wars Celebration and he's he's a host. And then also he does a lot of stuff for Disney and like Disney parks as well. And he's like huge on TikTok with a lot of like fun facts. hints and tips and fun facts. Yeah, it's awesome. So seeing him was a real surprise and I don't know, it was amazing. It was like a familiar face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Caitlin, do you want to talk about the emergency pod? Because I zoned oh out God. because Matt Martin walked by us the, at that point. Matt Martin like where I just, behind a door suddenly while we were watching constantly. the same video. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, so I zoned away. out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So – but you you kept watching the safety pod. So explain the safety pod because it's it's so interesting. The, all right? This video goes through because there are – there's an emergency scenario or an emergency situation in the storyline. And so the ship gives off an emergency warning. So basically they have to go through the differences between the role-playing emergency and what you would do in an actual emergency inside the building, right? And like how that would look and sound differently. But then, so they're talking about like where to go. If you're in the atrium, go here, yada, yada, yada. Then like if you're in your room and you can't get out, there's an emergency pod. You have an escape pod in your room. And I gather that this is because you don't have a traditional window in your room. But next to the spaceport, there is a door um, I didn't open it. Charlotte told me I couldn't, but there is a door and there's like, I guess like a little enclave out there, alcove. I don't really know what to call it, where you would sit down and there's a window out there and you would close the door to that little pod and there's a phone in there and you would call 911 and your room number is posted in there too. And you would call 911, give them your room number and they would I, come and get you out from there. <laughs> And I don't know why. It's so much. But <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I know. It was like very overwhelming right away. And it's good that they have something like that. But whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that exists, like I said, because you don't have a traditional window that you would be able to like signal for help out of. So they have to provide you a window and that's how they do it. But yeah, I didn't open the door. So I don't actually know what it looked like. I regret it. So if someone else does please send me a picture because I want to know what it actually looks like on the yeah. side um but yeah so then we went up um into the transport the transport was really good I mean it's an elevator right I think you can kind of guess that but I the, the truth is is like I didn't guess it oh. I didn't guess that it was an elevator until we left oh okay uh, I was like we're going in the pod <laughs> it's the pod we're going in the pod <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> that being said, the elevator looks really good. It has viewports, spaceports inside the elevator. Um, and the theming of it is really good. Um, how it's designed is great. And it's one of those situations where you walk in on one side, you walk out the other side and you're in a completely new place. you you go directly into the atrium and it's, it's a good reveal. Yeah, it is. And I think immediately, so from there, we were led to our rooms where our luggage was waiting, which is very similar to how they do it on a cruise. It was immediately like, oh, this is so reminiscent of what an actual cruise is when you disembark and when you embark on your cruise. Um, and so we were really excited. We were walking down the hallways. Caitlin and I's rooms were right next to each other, which was actually really cute and great. Yeah. And, uh, from there, we went to the buffet. 
at the Crown of Karelia dining room. Um, and we were like overwhelmed at the buffet. <laughs> and uh, the room itself is just so gorgeous with like round booths. And um, then like in, there's like a sunken dining area. And again, I just, I feel like I've seen some people being like, everything looks cheap. It does not feel cheap at all. The chairs are really nice. The table is really nice. The, um, the, all the, all the, um, plates and everything that Caitlin mentioned are really cool. We were extremely delighted at the trays and the fact that it's all, everything is served in like bento box type situations where we'll post the photos of the trays and everything. So you can get a clear idea about this, but the tray itself is long. It's not, it's longer than a standard tray. And in it are about like three different rectangular compartments. And in those rectangular compartments fits like um, either one or two of like the meals that were served at the buffet and they can stack on top of each other like a bento box. And it felt really spacey. It was really cool. And like, it was very clear that there was unique flatware and unique things that went into creating this buffet. Yeah. Unique tumblers too. Yes. Really cool tumblers. And not only that. This is it guys. This is why you got to go. Yeah. They have blue milk and green milk on tap. Mm. Mm -hmm. A full on dispenser. Yeah. And they also label the coffee as calf and it's a little decaf thing. calf. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> it is the little things, okay? And like the little things like that and you can get anything. We have found out sort of too late that you can order anything that even wasn't available. Like you could get lattes, espressos, any sort of like regular cocktail. But those were obviously extra. But the like you can order any like basic drink and they will make them for you. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And like espresso um, you could get and it had like a fun there was like a fun espresso cup that I wish. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Cause Caitlin and I were like, why don't they have like diner mugs? Like we wish they had diner mugs. And turns out they did. We just didn't use it to our advantage and we didn't ask for one. Yeah. So and they were really cool too. Like when yeah. we saw them go by and we were jealous. Uh, another <laughs> small detail that's nice that they have too is once so you have they have insulated tumblers that you use just for like the regular like they have all of the you know the Star Wars themed Coca-Cola products on on demand like you know like a regular kind of soda fountain and then next to that is the blue and green milk dispenser and then that's where they also have like the calf and stuff like that um but the insulated tumblers are really nice because you could use it for both the hot and cold drinks but then they also had to-go cups that were available, like, right there as well. So especially, like, when we went to Batu, we took coffee to-go, which is really nice. Again, it's just – it's, like, that nice little detail that's added into into the experience overall. And, yeah, the fine print the, – because there's a cocktail menu at every table. And the fine print on there lets you know that you can order, you know, like, a cappuccino, an espresso, a latte, and they'll bring it to you. Um, we just didn't – no. So we just had yeah. regular calf every day. <laughs> right. And it's also under my I I'm under the impression that if you wanted something plain or like wanted some something that was attuned to your dietary restrictions, mm-hmm. they will prepare anything. And there's actually like several waiters and waitresses that come by and ask for your orders or like anything that you want, anything you want, like every two minutes, I swear. They're really on you about helping and removing your trays. If you want to go get more, it's, it is a buffet. And bringing you water if you forgot it or things like that is very attentive. And that 
I think goes into the the concept of a luxury service is yeah. people were really on you about that um, in a really good way. Yeah. And this was also this lunch was also the beginning of us meeting the characters, and like I think this was the first time we saw some of the. Um, the sort of like scoundrelly type characters where you don't really know who they are at all. They Something that was really cool about the lunches, the dinners, breakfast, snack times, anything, is that the 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 characters that you would be interacting with on your, with your data pad and everything would come by, sit with you, have a conversation. You might learn something about the storyline from that conversation or not, and you could just enjoy talking to them. And they are so good at what they do okay. that – it's really easy to have the conversation. In the beginning, it was a little intimidating, um, but like by the sort of like by the end of it or like halfway through, you really knew what you were getting yourself into and you could like full on carry on a conversation. And like the level of immersion of it was really great, meaning like sometimes the characters like sit down and like have a plate of food in front of them or like a drink with them. And that doesn't ever happen in any other Disney scenario, right? Like we witnessed characters walking into the bar, ordering a drink, taking that drink, walking around with it, finishing the drink, and then coming back to the bar. And that was like over the span of an hour. It was just so crazy yeah. to like, because you really do feel like, oh, they're like on the cruise with us. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, it was so cool. Well, in the characters talking to each other as well, like clandestinely and every time we would yeah. see it Charles and I would go is that real or is that for the story and every time we'd be like it's for the story and you could just, yeah. you could just kind of tell it's, it's hard to explain um I think uh -huh. now would be a good time to like discuss what the storyline is um yes. so you have so like all the crew are characters themselves in a lot of sense but like they're your waiter they're you know the people handing out drinks they're you know the people cleaning your room like it's all the people who work on a cruise ship you know what I mean but then you have I guess what is it six about six main characters that right. are kind of fueling yeah. the storyline um there is the captain who is uh from Pantora, which is fun. <laughs> then you have the cruise director, Lenka. Um, you have the engineer, Sammy. You have Lieutenant Croy from the First Order who is there. He comes with a couple of stormtroopers too who are always kind of milling about. And then we have um, Saja, who is a member of the Savi, who are force users. They kind of handle the lightsaber training component of the cruise ship. There is mm -hmm. um, Gaia, who is the entertainer. Uh, she's the singer. Obsessed with her. Um, Obsessed with her. And then there <laughs> is uh, Charlotte's personal favorite, Wani. Wani. <laughs> Wani. <Okay. laughs> Wani is uh, Gaia's like musician. And she is a Rodian, and she is actually like out of universe, a character who walks around and her mouth moves like a Rodian, it's and crazy. she you can't you can't understand her um, because she's speaking a different language. And actually, on your data pad there is a way to like translate, but we didn't really figure out how to do it. We saw people did that. We saw one people try it, but it didn't work very well, but there was also like everyone was in the atrium. So it was really loud. Yeah, so I don't know if that loud. had a component to do it or they're still yeah. working out the kinks with it, but you can do yeah. it hypothetically. Um, right. So there was Wani and then there was the guitarist who is like a fanboy. Yeah, but I can't remember Gaia. his name. <laughs> um, uh, it's like a French store name. 
He's great. I really liked him. He was fun. And yeah, so that's like the musical crew. And then there's Wraith who manages Gaia. And Wraith, there's like characters who you could probably guess their allegiances, but there are some that you're like, I don't know. And actually throughout the entire thing, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, that's really there, like 10. That's 10. So they're yeah. a good number And then there characters. was the, the girl that did your lightsaber training too. Yeah. There were a couple of – so the Savi are uh, people who are like force users and stuff like that. And so there are a couple of them on board. I think there were three on board because Saja I think was kind of the leader of them. And then I think yeah. there were two other women. Um, mm-hmm. But I might be missing – that because there were a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 So immediately you're, you're, you familiarize yourself with that because one of the first things you do is you go to muster. So they like basically split you into four different groups in the atrium and you get really hyped up on your station. You meet other people and you get introduced like one-on-one to every single character. And it's, it's a real like oh my gosh, where am I type of experience Yeah, <laughs> that was um, intense and really cool. Uh, yeah. So right after muster for Caitlin, you had your lightsaber training, right? Yes. But I did want to backtrack a little bit to muster because I yes. think this is really where the story kicks off because it does. like we mentioned in the first part, the big story elements happen at cruise wide events as in like everyone is going to be at dinner at one point or everyone is at muster to hear about the emergency protocols and then like the end finale everyone is pulled into the atrium more or less Um, it's really the stuff that's like highlighted on your data pad as yellow um those are the things that you probably should do yeah like, but there's like maybe three or four that like literally everyone does yeah exactly. um and muster is one of them and yeah. this is when kind of almost all of the players are in the atrium there's a second story to the atrium where a lot uh where a lot of the like storyline is happening um so like you're introduced to lenka and the captain and this is also when lieutenant croy and the stormtroopers arrive on board the halcyon and we get this whole kind of back and forth between the captain and Lieutenant Croy about the resistance and about the First Order. And of course, the captain is, you know, these are just passengers on board. This is a cruise ship. There are no resistance spies here. And Lieutenant Croy, this moment, Charlotte and I were both like, oh, my God. So Lieutenant Croy is up top as well as the captain and Lenka, the cruise director, and they're all talking about the First Order. And then Sammy, the mechanic, he's like down with with the rest of us in the atrium. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lenka and Sammy are having this like conversation with like their eyes <laughs> back and forth. So, like you're kind of following both of them. But anyway, uh, the captain and Croy are talking to each other about the resistance and the First Order and everything. And Croy's like, Basically, like, we're going to stay here and monitor what's happening on board the Halcyon, right? And he said, because any resistance uh, activities would be counted as treason. And Lenka goes, or reason. And I don't know. It was just like, oh, wait, is Lenka with the resistance? Like, it was this first kind of, oh, there's a plot going on here. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, it started. Like, here's 
Uh-huh. Here's the story aspect of it that's really kind of starting to kick into high gear. Um, and yeah, yeah, like this is when Sammy gets involved. And like during all of these kind of big moments, like Wraith and Wani are just kind of wandering around. Whispering. Yeah. And, and, whispering. and they're whispering to other passengers too. Like, I don't know what they were whispering, but they were talking to other passengers and then talking to each other. And then like they would disappear and then come back. And it's a lot of that. And it sounds, it's like hard to describe, but it it worked really well and it was really intriguing like watching this all play out because the characters would also like go up and down from this second story a lot. And obviously like the second story is up there so that for these big moments, everyone can see it. You know what I mean? Like there's that practicality of it, but they're also, they're moving around a ton um, yeah. in like these kind of cruise wide events and like story moments. Like they're going up and down the stairs. Um, they're going to go get things. They'll go back upstairs. They'll go downstairs. They'll disappear. Then they'll come back. Um, it's a lot of movement, but LaCroix Lee, LaCroix, I keep calling him LaCroix, like the soda. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Croix, like, leaves to go to his room or whatever to unpack his bags. And this is when the captain starts kind of telling us about the cruise in general, but also, like, telling us, like, everything's going to be okay. We're going to – and she's, like, talking to Lenka, too. She's like, we're not going to get ourselves into trouble, right, Lenka? <laughs> and you know that that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that there's some something really interesting that was happening and that continued throughout was the concept of how layered the story was. So what the audience, like what I experienced at that time is, oh, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about that. And like I'm pointing to different areas right now. And from there, you decide, okay, so I'm intrigued with what, what's going on with Wraith and Wani. I'm intrigued with what's going on with Lieutenant Croy. When I get data pad messages in like five seconds of that ending, I'm going to continue on with their miss- missions. Or you can ignore that data pad message and just physically follow people around and see what happens. Yeah. And that happened. And I chose I chose the resistance side. And Caitlin definitely chose the first order Woo. with lo- helping Lieutenant Croy. Woo. Um. Yeah. And – we had planned to do this like on some level, but it was really fun that we did two different sides. Um, and like Caitlin did, uh, it's hard because like, I, I'm sure you're about to say this, Caitlin is there's more resistance than there is first order. Yeah. And so you end up doing like the resistance stuff, obviously to feel good about yourself too, yeah. <laughs> because it's like uplifting, you know, um, yeah. than the first order, but it's fun to play a double agent at the same time. <laughs> and I think that's like, that's part of it. Yeah. I will say, you know, I said at the, in the front half, there were two things that I would change about this. One of them being the viewport, being able to watch it at night. But I think, and that one is really important to me actually. Um, but I think the other one would be that there should have been another kind of first order character that was like roaming about like Croy mentions his I guess like his right hand man a couple times but that's not a person that's like on board or at least not one that I remember seeing at all like with the resistance like Wraith is involved to a degree um and like the people that are messaging you on your phone like Guy is not messaging you on your on your data pad neither is Wani um but Sammy Saja Croy Lenka, they all are. So that's a lot of people, but most of them are resistance people. There's only one uh, first order person who is messaging you, which is 
Lieutenant Croy. Um, and I do think that that is kind of room for improvement in the future of adding another first order person because like while all these things are happening, like while these resistance storylines are going on, um, there are multiple characters that can be carrying out some of these activities and like story elements and just like exploration of the ship and like let's gather intel and stuff like that, right? But then there's only Croy who's kind of handling the First Order side of things. Um, and I do think that that was kind of lacking when you compare both quote-unquote sides. Um, Croy himself was great. He was so funny. Amazing. He, he, I mean, all of the actors, we've said this a couple of times, but they were all incredible. But Croy, of course, he was the funny, evil guy, right? Very mm -hmm. Hux beginning of The Last Jedi, I think. And even Hux in <laughs> uh, Tross in a lot of ways. Um, he was really great. He had a lot of great zingers and he really commanded a room, I think. And he, he played his role really well. They all did. But as someone who was aligned with the First Order, I really enjoyed his leadership. <laughs> And also, like, at the end, he – I don't – there was, like, a couple of, like, personalization things that they did at the very yeah. end in the finale, and obviously we'll talk about it. But since we're talking about Croy here, he – they do a thing where they, like, call out people, and he called out a little girl. Her name was Savannah. And that Savannah, he said, the first time I've ever been called a mean old man was by savannah so thank you for that and that happened on day one and this was on day three or the night of day two and it was uh it was really funny like it erupted the room he was so funny and just there was a little bit of like a level of personalization there that was really carried through that like things that happened on day one were referenced even later for like especially for kids and things like that it was great yeah he was he was really good. And I think it was important also in the, on the subject of kids to have a first order character who wasn't super scary, like Kylo Ren, um, who could like interact with guests in a way that wasn't so intimidating, but like also like humorous. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that Croy did that yeah. perfectly. There was one point where we were waiting. So the first order had like a secret meeting, everyone who's aligned with the, with the first order. So we're all like standing outside the bridge. Croy is there. He's like talking to everyone about like what we know, what we don't know. And he starts going into this whole monologue about how he's going to change the Halcyon once the first order takes it over. Because at this point, the first order has completely taken over the Halcyon. It's been this big show of them putting up the First Order flags like in the atrium and in the dining room. And like I think a couple more stormtroopers have been added. Like it's it's been a thing, right? And he's like, here's what we're going to do. And he's like going through all these things is going to change. Um, and he's like, there's going to be gray, a lot of gray, slate gray, midnight gray, a little bit of black too, some white. And I, I said to him, I think that's great, but the couches in the atrium are red velvet and the first order flag is red. And I said, but the couches actually really match the red of the first order flag. And he says, absolutely. There will be splashes of red. <laughs> and I don't know why. It was, just, it was so funny. And he, he like doesn't miss a beat. And like you are having conversations with these characters. Like Wraith um, talked to us a lot. Like, there was one lunch where he came up to us a little bit or no, we were at the bar and he was like, oh, well, like, what do you know? And he like got the sense that I was working for the first order. And he's like, well, maybe I'll have to come back and talk to you guys later. And then the next day at lunch, he came and sat at our table and was like, you know, have you really figured out like what side you're on yet? Like this whole thing, like 
the actors the actors are incredible um at remembering the memory people honestly and like I don't expect that the names too yeah yeah and like the more time you spend with them oh my god there was this little girl she was probably like I don't know nine or ten who was obsessed with race <laughs> she it, she was like her his right hand man it was amazing yeah if Wraith was there she was there like there was one time where the captain was like questioning race allegiance in the atrium and this was like not this isn't like one of those like cruise wide events it's just like people are in the atrium they're talking and like the captain walks in and sees that Wraith is there and she's like oh Wraith I've been meaning to talk to you like da 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 and she like starts asking Wraith to like empty his pockets basically and this little girl is like he has nothing in his pockets <laughs> She's like standing up for him. Yeah, and like stepping in front of Literally. him. <laughs> Defending. It was so good. It was really fun to witness. It was really good. Um, and then Wraith like got her a drink at the bar later. Um, <laughs> of course, non-alcoholic. That should go without saying. But like it's like in a fancy glass and everything. And she's literally sitting at the bar with this drink that like Wraith got her and she's like having the time of her life. Like, you know, this is her first like celebrity crush. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Great. She was head over heels. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't remember what we were originally talking about. Oh, that there need to be for more first order people. Um, yeah. I still think this. Yes. There are stormtroopers literally everywhere, though. And, of yeah. course, the stormtroopers are amazing. Are. Like, it is always so fun to interact with the stormtroopers. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they're, so your magic bands, right, get you into a lot of um, – there are a lot of rooms on, on board the Halcyon that you can get into. And you should absolutely explore the back hallways. They're, they are not for, like, crew. They're not, like, off limits, especially, like, on, the on deck four where the crown of Corellia, the dining room, is – most of the rooms back there and stuff are things that you can get into um, or can get access into, I should say. Um, there was one time we followed some stormtroopers and they went into the cargo hold and they were like, you can't come with us. And they like go into the cargo hold and they're just standing there. And I knock on the door and I said, please, I'm with the first order. And they said, no, through the door. <laughs> <laughs> but the, and the thing is, is like it was actually a cargo hold, like an in-universe cargo hold. Yeah, we were dealing with Gaia's luggage, um, who's the singer, just a reminder. And it was a whole thing. It was really cool to do. There, that was a see. There's there's things like that that I like the this situation in the in the cargo hold and things like that that aren't part of the original storyline. But if you see some commotion, you just kind of run up to it and join it and yeah. see where it leads you. And that particularly led us from the atrium down the elevator into the cargo hold mixing up with some stormtroopers and then also carrying off a different mission for Sammy and helping Sammy and like Caitlin playing both sides. And it was really cool. And then the, the after that, since we did that, since we used our magic band to try to get into the cargo hold, it remembered that we were going to do that. So in about like 30 minutes after we did that, we got a message from another, like either Sammy or the first order to help us get in, in there later. Um, there were like little things like that that were so memorable. Um, and we have like a dozen different stories about things like that. And I know it sounds a little cheesy, but it, in the moment there's like all this, this rush of like, where are we going? Where are we taking us? Like, I'm going to go look out and, and look, watch and um, make sure that there's no stormtroopers there. And if there's stormtroopers there, like this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to say. And whose luggage is it's going to be? It's not Gaia's. It cannot be Gaia's. Who's it going to be? Which one is it going to be? And then it's like, oh, it's my luggage. 
that's what I'll say. That's what I'll say to the stormtroopers and maybe it'll work. And you never know if it will or not. And it's, it's just really cool. Um, like another really fun, I know they, they used to call them like unexpected story moments was I was in the atrium with Amy Ratcliffe actually. And she was like, I heard that the, 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 um, the guitar player is in love with Wani and has a crush on Wani and wants to write her a love song. So I think we're all going to write a love song together. And he did. And there was no way that that was pre-planned. Like we all wrote the love song together and told her, told him to, um, compliment her, her, you know, her outfit, her music, how beautiful she is, how smart she is, all these different elements. And like, he constructed it into a song and then we heard him singing it even later. And there were like really specific things in that song. It was really cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was, and like, that was just, like I just stumbled upon something like that and um yeah it's just really really neat yeah yeah it was there's there's something like that always happening because the characters are always around um and it's the same characters and it's the same crew too which is cool and I like thought I think a lot about like the sustainability of that but I also think that it's like a cruise ship and so that's what cruise ships do too. They have the same staff that are there all the time and for longer stretches of time too. So I'm sure that they like know how it works, but it's one of those things that again, just kind of adds to the overall experience of like our waiter that we had at dinner is the same waiter both nights and like the, the other crew members that are wandering around. It's like the same group of people. So they recognize you and they know you, um, which is fun and definitely adds to the overall like luxury experience of it. For sure. For sure. Okay. Caitlin, talk about your lightsaber training experience and I'll talk about mine. Okay. So Charlotte and I had very different lightsaber training experiences. We had different schedules. (laughs) Um, My lightsaber training experience was pretty much the first thing I did on board after the captain's um, like introduction and after muster. So like muster ended and I went straight to lightsaber training and my lightsaber training. Um, I think there were probably, I don't know, like 10 to 12 people in the room. It's a really big room and mine was probably 60% kids ranging from like five years old to probably like 10 or 12. I don't really know. But it was a lot of kids, which was really fun in the sense that like kids really got into it. The room, of course, the whole setting, like there's no break in the immersion aboard the Halcyon. Like there is nothing that says planet Earth on the Halcyon. So, you know, you know, kids are just losing their freaking mind (laughs) over it at all times. Um, But the training room was really great. It was really, really cool. I thought like they have and I know that a lot of people have kind of bashed the like lightsaber of it all. (laughs) Um, And we had like the regular lightsabers for this but the training orbs or training cubes I guess that come out of the walls there are like these lightsaber shields that are revealed from the wall next to you that you use um it was it was really cool um and I liked it but Charlotte's experience was like very active and like I don't know intense whereas mine (laughs) was very much about the kids and like their experience which I I like kids so that's not like a detriment that's not like a negative thing for me like it was really fun seeing the kids enjoy it but all the adults were very I was like the only person by myself (laughs) and everyone else was like a parent and then it was all kids um so there's like 
that side of it. So everyone was like really trying to make sure their kids had like every opportunity to do it and stuff like that. And of course, as they should. Um, so yeah, it was very different, but, uh, and, and on top of that, like I said, it was also one of the first like scheduled events for a lot of us on board. So I think a lot of people were still really getting into like the role playing aspect of it because the person who gave us our training was a member of the Savi and she's like talking to us about how scary it was that the first order came on and how we have to trust the force and this whole thing. And she's like leading us through like search your feelings and like trust your gut, trust in the force and like sense the, the beam before it comes. And, and then all of a sudden, like you don't even realize, but there's music softly playing in the background and like coming up, like, you know how you people always like meme and talk about having a soundtrack to your life? Well, like Halcyon gives that to you. <laughs> and like in these kind of big like theatrical moments and like even like the quiet moments like we had in lightsaber training of like learning about the force, there's like this music that comes through and it's it's not John Williams Star Wars music, but it is music and it is like Star Warsy music. But again, it's not John Williams Star Wars music um, in the way that I was talking about the music kind of bookending the experience. It's not that music. Um, but yeah, and all of a sudden like Yoda appears or his voice appears and he's like talking to us through the force. And then our Savi is like, yes, I remember like, here's what we have to do. And like, there's this like building of hope in the room. And then she has us all like surround this one kid. And it was actually Dan Zier from Coffee with Kenobi. It was his kid. Um, she had us like all surround his kid and like reach out in the force and like like let him feel the force flow through all of us and we all watched him like anticipate the beams with his lightsaber coming out of the training orb and like it was really cute it was really great I teared up to be honest like it was just one of those wow Star Wars is good and like I love seeing other people love Star Wars especially like in an experience like that for me seeing other kids love Star Wars it's just it's really cool I love that um so my like lightsaber training experience, I feel like was a little bit more subdued for me personally. Um, but I still really enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, yeah. like when you hear it compared to Charlotte's, like Charlotte's was very active. Um, right. and like near the end of the second day. So people were really in it by that point. Um, yeah, very in it. Whereas, whereas mine was not. So yeah. So I, w I want to comment and say the tech is actually really cool. I yeah. think in videos it like doesn't actually come off as really cool. But when you hold a lightsaber in your hand and are actively doing that, you feel the bolts, you miss pieces and like you get in the stance and everything. And the shields, which are like kind of new to the Star Cruiser because they only do like four lightsabers at a time. So then there's people behind you with the shields catching the blaster bolts that you miss with the lightsaber and the shields like when you pick them up they're heavy and they're also really satisfying to grab the blasters from because you do feel it too it was cool and really fun but yes so my group was all adults there were no kids and it was like all podcasters <laughs> so it was like the rest of the star wars podcaster crew was there and it was really fun so we were all really into it and it was really emotional and um it was a like a workout, like dodging with the shield because like I said, it's heavy. It's probably like four pounds. Um, you get the blaster bolts that they miss and that they'll come because you're behind the people with the lightsabers. You have to like bend down and like crouch down. So 
yeah, it was pretty active. I was like, I got to get everyone afterwards. Were like, it's time to go get water. Let's go to the atrium. Let's get some cold water right now. Um, and so that's what we all did afterwards. But like Caitlin said, it was surprisingly emotional where you'd tear up at the Yoda parts and just some of the things that were said about Jedi. You, at one point you say, I'm one with the force and the force is with me, which is really, really cool. And like when everyone says it together, it's really emotional. I mean, if you're, you, I'm sure you get it listening to this podcast. Um, yeah, so mine was really different than Caitlin's. And so there are actually two like core things that you do like active activity wise um, that you like don't want to miss for uh, for the Star Cruiser, the lightsaber training, and then also the um, these the bridge situation where you're like blasting off. Um, you're like working the bridge where you can go to hyperspace, you can defend the ship from the, the shields, you um, shoot off invaders, you capture cargo, and that's very video game heavy. And for me, I didn't like the bridge part at all. Like really at all, I would probably, I, I don't know, I didn't like it because I personally felt it was a little overstimulating for me. Caitlin liked it just fine, I think. But it was not it was not for me. I didn't really feel like an emotional connection to it. However, I liked there was like one station because you rotate on those stations. Um, there was one station I did like, and when you return to it later in the story, and it's pretty crucial that you go to this also. It's one of those like highlighted yellow things. You get to choose your favorite set, which I thought was a really good situation because you're rotating through all these different types of games, like video game-esque things that uh, that you do. And you like some, but you don't like the others. And like that's just the nature of how it is. So when you get to choose later what you want to go back to, that was fun. Yeah. Caitlin, do you want to talk about your bridge experience? Yeah, I really liked bridge trading. I thought it was fun. I think Charlotte and I got like a particularly hard station during our bridge training, which also kind of, I think, set the tone. But once you got into it, it was, I thought it was fun and the bridge itself is really cool. And I think there are really, there are really good story elements that happen inside the bridge. Um, Like lightsaber training, like each of these are about 45 minutes long, like lightsaber training and bridge training Um, and bridge training definitely has like the storytelling elements. And now I'm trying to remember like what specifically ours was, but like Sammy and Lenka, so the mechanic and the captain or the cruise director come into our bridge training and they have this whole like kind of, uh, scene effectively where they're talking about, oh, oh, I remember what it was. Um, the captain has an astromech droid SK that follows them around. And something that has happened like on the ship throughout the day is that SK has been captured by the first order has been taken like under the first order's supervision, basically. And this has happened like the first order, people on the first order track have been a part of this. And also people on the resistance track have been trying to like rescue SK. And also Chewbacca is like popping in and out of the Halcyon throughout this period too. So they've been trying, the resistance have been trying to get Chewbacca off of the ship. But in the process of getting Chewbacca off the ship, it means that SK had to be captured. And these are all like story elements that you can be a part of. And we probably haven't said this enough, but you cannot be a part of every story element. You just can't because they're kind of happening randomly, I would imagine too. Like for as much as this is all kind of plotted out, obviously, I think a lot of it is also kind of intuitive from the actors and like who is around, like what passengers are around and things like that. So 
Chewbacca has been taken off the Halcyon. He's escaped off the Halcyon, but SK has been captured. So during our bridge training, Lenka and Sammy come in and Lenka tells Sammy that SK has been captured. And it's like this whole big thing. Everyone is very sad. No one likes to see a sad astromech droid. <laughs> it's emotional, right? And Lenka tells Sammy. Super emotional. Yeah. Just, it, it's super emotional. You, you really and buy you, into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really do. Um. So part of this like whole story, right, is that then Lenka tells Sammy that the First Order is on to him and that he really needs to figure out how to get back in Croy's good graces. So she has – there is a plan that he is going to put the restraining bolt on Sammy at Croy's command and it's going to make Croy believe that Sammy is not working for the First Order. The restraining bolt is going to go on SK, not Sammy. Oh, I'm sorry. Said, Did I say Sammy? <laughs> yeah. So Sammy is going to perform that task of putting a restraining bolt on the droid, and it's going to be a painful experience for everyone to watch. Yeah. And Sammy – and this is during our bridge training too. And Sammy is like very sad. He's like, no, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And Lenka is like, Sammy, it was SK's idea. And it's like, oh, what? No, Sammy, SK, no. It's like this whole thing. And then, and then, like, Lenka is talking to all of us, like, you know, here's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to make Croy believe that we don't want Sammy to do this, but Sammy is doing it. And it's, like, this whole thing with everyone, right? So then later that day, um, people are in the atrium, and a lot of people are in the atrium. And then there's the story element starts, starts up of Sammy putting the restraining bolt on sk in front of croy like up on the second level of the atrium and everyone who's in the atrium is watching and we're all going like no sammy like don't do it don't put the everyone's like screaming like you're better than this sammy yeah everyone have to do it croy but then um like lenka is also like moving around and she's like giving like the shifty eyes of like all right like everything is going according to plan and then you know like sk lets out like really sad beeps and stuff when the restraining bolt gets put on him and it's just sad. And then Croy is sitting there like, ah, yes, thank you, Sammy. Like, this is what I wanted all along and <laughs> the whole yeah. thing. Um, but and, – and I think that, like, Charlotte and I had bridge training at the same time, actually, whereas we didn't have lightsaber training at the same time. And so there were, like, other story elements that were happening in the earlier bridge training uh, – like the other sessions that like, I don't know what those were, you know what I mean? Um, or what they were because like Sammy was in our bridge training for pretty much the whole time. And he was yeah. like, he was basically planet hopping light speed skipping in order to like, <laughs> I forget what he was doing, but he was light speed skipping. And that's the story element of why like people are at different stations because of course we light speed and suddenly we're in an astro field and we have to, you know, like defend the ship and put the shields up and everything like that. And that's where when the ship goes into hyperspace, it goes into hyperspace in your room too, but that's because of bridge training. Like that's why that's happening. <laughs> and it's like, it's all timed. Like it's, it's the synergy is there. It's not, it's not random. And yeah. I don't know, it was the bridge training. I think I really enjoyed that because of that component of it. It felt very immersive to me in that sense. Yeah, it was it was pretty crucial for the story. And I just also want to reemphasize how much everyone around you was very into the story. Yeah. <laughs> and you yourself also get really caught up in it, like even screaming like, no, Sammy, don't do it. Like little kids are like going on long speeches of why Sammy shouldn't do it. And like, it's yeah. okay. 
you don't have to do it. And that sounds annoying, but it's not. It's actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh and, and you know, you, you yourself are like, no, Sammy, like you don't have to do it. It's fine. There's you don't like way. it's okay. There's another way. Yeah. And that happens, like that's just one example. That happens a lot. And there's all these different layered storylines where like you might not have bared witness to why he was doing that. So then you might be suspicious of Sammy if you weren't on that track. Yeah. And that in itself is really fun because you don't you don't know where that's going to lead. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about actually is that Caitlin and I, there's two dinner times. There's 530 and then there's 8. And Caitlin and I chose the earlier one because we had assumed that we'll do early dinner and then we'll do like a bunch of activities afterwards and it gives us time to like get dinner out of the way and then like do whatever we want afterwards, like whether it's to go to the Starlight Lounge, play Sabak, and that's exactly what we did. Sabak is really fun, by the way. They were really informative about how to play it. It's basically like poker um, or like rummy, I guess. Uh, it was it was fun. Um and the tech is really cool about how it all works. Um, but so Caitlin and I had an early dinner session. And I think that having the early dinner was actually crucial because a lot of the stuff happens, like a lot of those big elements happen like at eight to nine o'clock at night, which is when other people are in their dinner time. And of course, this is our own experience, meaning that they probably also witnessed something that was like a big story event too when we were at dinner but um and like this aids to what we were talking about about how there was like probably four to five different touchstones about how big story elements happen throughout um the entire cruise and you will know about them in some form or fashion but I think Caitlin and I both feel it's pretty important to like get dinner over with in the beginning and then just enjoy your night by following around people and doing your own thing throughout the rest of the night. Don't I would assume that the story elements that we experience after dinner, people experience before dinner, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it felt like everything was happening after dinner. So <laughs> that's right. why we think the early dinner works. And I think it's good too, because you don't have to like stop the, you don't have to like transition into dinner time from like this really intense thing. Yeah, um, exactly. I think we need to talk about Gaia. We need to talk about Gaia. Okay. So I think people who might be listening to this probably are aware of the fact that people like made fun of this element of Galactic Star Cruiser online. And I think that everyone is wrong because <laughs> Gaia was so good. Number one, she was really talented. The songs were so fun. And it was really cool to have like a dinner show during our amazing dinner, which was truly incredible. Um, and she was way better than I thought she would be. Uh, I cannot wait until a, a little birdie told me that March 1st is when her music is going to go on like Spotify or Apple Music or something. Um, I cannot wait to listen to it. And I think what really worked for me about the musical elements that were included in Galactic Star Cruiser is that they they were a mixture of the Star Wars weirdness, like alien singing and this like high performance value where the music is a little different than what we're used to on Earth and things like that. And that wasn't necessarily the case with Gaia, but um, for me, it blended like the Star Wars music with like the cheese and um, like brilliance of Disney parks music, which is something that I personally love. And I can see this element becoming a cult favorite in the future. 
And, you know, everyone on the ship really hypes up Gaia. Like before you watch Gaia, (laughs) everyone's like, Gaia is amazing. Everyone is obsessed with Gaia. We are so happy to have Gaia on board. And Gaia is a a key player in the conversation of the resistance versus the first order in that you don't really know where she lies, except you probably have a suspicion that she's sneaking something on board with her luggage. And like, she's there for a reason because apparently like she doesn't perform that often on a cruise ship in like this small venue because she's a really big pop star. And so you buy into that and it's great. And yeah, you become a huge Gaia fan and Wani too. Cause Wani is like her backup, um, like DJ and everything about Gaia is amazing. Truly. <laughs> okay. Songs, I loved her. Her songs were so good. They were so fun. Yeah. I know. I know. And then later she does another set where it's called like acoustically Gaia. And she has like two to three songs that she does, sings without the like music behind her. And she's also just really great. And I admire the performer and how great she is at singing. It's so good. She commanded a room. It was awesome. She really did, like in a huge way. Yeah. Um, let me talk about my favorite element of Gaia was Gaia. Yes, please do. And Croy. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. All right. I know. Okay. There's so much talk about the love story that was referenced aboard the Halcyon. And I don't think it was meant to be Croy and Gaia, but that's what I walk away <laughs> with it's part of it it's the yeah. i think that the love story really was between wani and the guitar player and because we wrote the love song all together and then they sing together on the last night and it's great they have like a a song that they sing at the dessert hour and it's really fun <laughs> and like it's clear that they are going on their date and everything but caitlin has something to say about gaia and croy which was delightful anyway i'm pretty sure they've slept together I think they've been together yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> the, the first dinner night where you have the first entertainment set with Gaia she she does like some monologuing in between her songs and she like talks about uh Ryloth and like the history of Ryloth and like the pride she has and where she comes from and her people and she like sings a song that's like dedicated to Ryloth it's, it's really great but at a certain point in her set Lieutenant Croy comes in and they have this whole like back and forth among the two of them that feels so loaded. The tension was there. Um, Croy is clearly obsessed with Gaia. She has him wrapped around her finger like in a big way. He like sat down at someone's table and like had the waiters bring him food so he could like watch her and when she finished his her song he literally like shot straight up and started clapping like he was he was the only person in the room standing <laughs> clapping for Gaia it was amazing it was Caitlin and I's jaws dropped <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so great and then later, like oh my god lovers to enemies it's the, amazing yes <laughs> I really do think that's their story um and then later too like at Acoustically Gaia, at once Acoustically Gaia starts, all of the storylines are kind of converging. Like, you're really leading into the finale of the story. But at Acoustically Gaia, you have Gaia that's on the floor, like at the front of the atrium. And then you have Croy, who's up top, who's like overseeing everything that's happening. But really, he's just there to watch Gaia. And um, anytime that something gets brought up with like Gaia's suitcases or something, he's like, well, of course, like Gaia wouldn't forget her suitcases. And like, 
guy is completely innocent and like this whole thing and he like has no suspicion for her whatsoever and at one point they're like up top together on the second story and she like walks by him and like caresses his shoulder as she walks by (laughs) caresses his shoulder as she walks by and you can tell that he's just like oh okay (laughs) and I think at one point he even mentions like wanting to spend more time with her or something like that yeah yeah he does I don't know it's just it's so loaded it was my favorite thing um love a good love story I do think they're lovers to enemies or will be in the future and yeah and I really enjoyed this element of Croy's character too and Gaia Gaia commands any room that she's in. I think she would take Croy or leave him kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like she's, she very much has the diva persona attached with her, but it was great. And yeah, their banter that first night in the dining room completely, completely sold me on their relationship. <laughs> but, yeah. And that's why you really wanted to get in on the first order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually true <laughs> yeah um, you're like I need to follow him around <laughs> yeah yeah I need to see if maybe he'll say anything else about Gaia he didn't really but you know all the subtext is there uh but yeah I think the love story that's referenced is the one between Wani and the guitar player um but there's definitely something there between Gaia there definitely and is Roy. there definitely is <laughs> no question yeah and here I think you should also tell the story of when so after dinner after uh, the literal amazing performance by Gaia we went to the Starlight Lounge Disney had actually given us two drink tickets and I want to mention this because I don't know if I already mentioned this but I don't know if this was something for the media or if this is something that like everyone will get Um, I've gotten drink tickets as not you know, a part of a media before. So I wanted to mention that. Um, so we used those at the Starlight Lounge, which is really exciting. And like talking to, we sat at the bar and talking to the bartenders, like they had a real deep knowledge of things. Um, and like, were so curious about like what's going on in the ship and they had a lot to say and things like that. Um, but Keelan has a really good story that I think like demonstrates the level of immersion and how even the cast members are like in on the story that really sort of like underscores it all. Yeah. So when we were, um, at one night at the bar, the Starlight Lounge there, you can see out into the atrium and there were people getting arrested by the stormtroopers out in the atrium. I think Sammy was arrested. And I also think Wraith was at one point, there's a brig on board the Halcyon. So I think they throw them in there and I'm then there's like a secret tunnel out of the brig. And I think they like, I think the kids help them escape from the brig basically. But I wasn't a part of any of those storylines. So I don't really know how they got out, but they got out a couple of times. <laughs> um, but we're in the uh, bar. And anyway, we're talking to the bartenders because we're sitting actually at the bar. And, um, you know, we're talking about how, you know, scary it is that the first order is on board and like why they keep arresting people. And, I asked the bartenders, I was like, well, do the stormtroopers ever come in here? Like, do you have to serve them and this whole thing? And both the bartenders were like, oh, my God, yes, they come in here all the time. And they racked up like such a tab. 
it's like it's ridiculous and we're like oh my god like that's awful like i can't believe they wouldn't pay for it you know like like we're in it at this point right and they go yeah look at this and they like whip out this receipt from behind their cash register and it's like a four thousand dollar receipt of like all these drinks And they're like this is their bar tab this is what they ran up last time they were here and they haven't paid for it yet and i don't know i was just like oh my god like they have like the receipt ready for like this, for like this kind of moment that they can like incorporate it into them talking with guests and stuff like that. And it was, it was really cool. Um, the other thing I did forget to mention though, about like the crew, uh, knowledge of star Wars was actually during my lightsaber training when we were outside before our session started, I was, like I said, I was with, um, Dan from Coffee with Kenobi and his wife and his son and the Savi instructor was talking to us and she was like, what, you know, have you ever held a lightsaber before? And Dan was like, yeah, I have, you know, I've dabbled in it. And the instructor was like, oh, what's your favorite fighting? What's your favorite fighting style? And you could tell Dan was like, like me and like Charlotte with some of the crew members originally were like, trying to put it into basic Star Wars words. And he was like, oh, the full, well, like Mace Windu style is what he said. And the Savi instructor goes, oh, yes, Form 7. And Dan was like, oh, yes, that's it. <laughs> and, and this is like our first, the first like thing we did on board. So we were both like, oh, my God, she knows Form 7. And he's like, yeah, that's it. And she was like, so do you lean more towards the light side of that teaching or the dark side of that teaching? And she like asks him all these questions like about Form 7 and um, his relationship to it. And anyway, Dan and I both were like, all right, cool. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> like, we're really in this now. All right, wow. <laughs> good. All right. Here we go. <laughs> um, anyway, I did want to mention that. I know that kind of is off topic now, but going back to the starlight lounge with the bartenders and the receipt from the stormtroopers it was just yeah it was just a fun detail that like i don't know that that was included and they like had it ready to be a part of the storyline and it's one of those like props that can fit a, a multitude of reasons for why they have that and they were able to use it as part of their conversation with us yeah, it, it's super cool. Okay, so that was day one. I feel like we've spent a lot of time on day one because that was like the intro to everything. We even jumped ahead in the storyline and stuff, but I think it's a good time now to talk about day two and how it starts real bright and early with an early breakfast and then getting on your transport to Batu. That was really nice and like the experience was actually way better than I was expecting. Number one, breakfast was great. Um, there's like a huge variety of stuff that they have from waffles to eggs and like they have like a crazy looking scotch egg and fruit and blue milk parfaits. Everything was amazing. We're going to have pictures like basically everywhere on our social media sites and our website as well. So you can see all the food in action because when I describe it, I feel like you can't get the essence of it. But so we had breakfast and then we get on our transports. They provide you with like a fresh mask and a water bottle and you get in line pin. and and a pin. Yes. This the crucial pin that you wear around Batu. Um, and you, you, you're, you're off. They put you on a transport and there's been so much debate about this quote unquote transport about how it's basically a truck. And my sense is more like a bus. Okay. Because you don't see it. You just step into it. Like you're getting on an airplane or something and it is heavily themed. You wait in the hallway and then you get in and you can stand in it. You can sit in it and it 
feels like we're inside of like um, an armored transport, I think, in Star Wars. And you have these like viewports on the top. It was really well air conditioned. I feel like this is important because I think there's a high risk of motion sickness with something like this. It was like a four to five minute journey, I guess, from the Halcyon to the special entrance in Batu. Like I mentioned in the like non-spoiler section, that entire entrance into Batu is heavily themed and really well done where the transition totally works. And I think that the level of luxury there with like the special entrance and everything is great. But a key thing here is that the story fully continues when you go into Batu. So you have objectives and missions from your side. So Caitlin had some things to do for the First Order and I had several things to do for the Resistance. And I thought that maybe these would just be carried out over your data pad on your phone. But no, actually people referenced them when we were there. And uh, even you could even like... I talked to Vi about the plans that I acquired. Like you're supposed to hack into the system and get the Thai Echelon plans. I spoke to Vi about that. We even made references to it to Kylo when Kylo came out and Vi like fully understood what I was talking about, which is really cool. So those are like elements that are already in place in Batu that were working together with the Starlight, um, not the Starlight, sorry, the Star Cruiser. It was like all came together because you're wearing this like special pin on your person so that they interact with you sort of differently. And this came into play really well with our Oga's Cantina reservation, actually. Caitlin, why don't you talk a little bit about how that worked? Yeah, so uh, I was following the First Order around. I think that the experience on Bed 2, specifically with the app and, like, the data pad, I think this is probably where, like, Charlotte and I's learning curve came in, like, really showed itself, right? Because a lot of what you do in the Play Disney app, a lot of what we were doing on Bed 2 was actually things that we like that anyone can do when they're in Batu, right? Like the scanning and the hacking and the tuning and stuff like that. But I had never really done that when I was on Batu before. So I didn't really understand that that, like that piece of it is not entirely a part of like the Star Cruiser storyline. Um, but you do get messages from people like Croy, like Saja, um, like Sammy while you're on Batu about like different little missions that are similar to that are the hacking and the tuning and stuff like that. But they're tied directly to your characters within the app. And so they kind of hold a little bit more weight in your overall like who you are on the Star Cruiser, like if you're with the Resistance, if you're with the Savi, if you're with the First Order, like all of that. So I would definitely recommend like spending more time like in the character chat messages because that's where those experiences are coming out of, not just out of you like randomly scanning crates and like constructing the keys. Like that is, everyone can do that and it's fun, don't get me wrong, but that's not necessarily Star Cruiser related. But they're all in the same app. So there is that kind of overlap there. I think that I don't think I fully kind of understood um, probably until like halfway through the day <laughs> on Betu. But that being said, I was following around Croy's messages and what he was telling me to do and where to go. Um, and at one point after I had like gone to a couple of those like hacky places and like done some things like that, um, he knew like it's programmed in there that I had an Oga's reservation. So at one point he was like, tell me when you get to Oga's and I'll give you instructions from there basically. So I told him when I was in there and he was like, when your bartender comes, tell him tell them that Oga has 
a message for you or something like that um, and show them this symbol. And there's like a picture inside the app of this symbol. So I like asked my bartender and he was like, I got to go talk to the boss about this. (laughs) And he leaves and he comes back with this. um, It's like a coaster. It's basically another like thing that you scan like a QR code. Right. But it, it like felt really special and cool and like fun. Um, and so I scanned it and then I like, I got introduced to another character in the app and then Croy like gave me some other things to do too. And it was just a fun element to like bring it into Oga's because of course they knew that I had the reservation at Oga's and this whole thing. Um, and the app, I will also say that the app like has placeholders in there for if your plans change. So it's not like you don't chat back to the characters and like a, you're typing out messages, like they have pre-populated messages for you. So when Croy told me to tell him when I got to Oga's, my options for response were, I've already been to Oga's today, or I'm not going to Oga's anymore, or I'm here. What do you want me to do? Like, like it, it has it built in to the app of if your plans change. Yeah. Something similar actually happened the night before at dinner when our waiter actually slipped a piece of paper underneath our bill, which was really interesting because we quickly found out that we got a piece of paper under our bill and that so did everyone around us, but everyone got a different piece of paper and there were three different ones and you need to collect all three to form a clue for the next day. And that's what we did. So it was a lot of like after dessert, everyone was like going over being like, which one do you have? Do you have one of three? Do you have two of three? Do you have three of three? I need three of three. And it turned out that three of three was really rare. And so everyone got it and you put it all together and then you take a picture and you sort of use that clue for later in bed too. But um, that was a really cool element too and really fun. And it did build a sense of community among the passengers. And um, so that was a cool element at Oga's with Caitlin getting this like special message from Oga. And then also we, they give us the experience passes for the Millennium Falcon and and the Rise of the Resistance. The coaxium element actually becomes a big element into the story piece too, to the point where we actually see physical coaxium, like how it appears in solo. Mm -hmm. And it looked really real. I forgot about that, Caitlin. We haven't talked about that like separately. It was such a good effect. I was like, wow. The effects in this entire cruise were like amazing, really blew me away. Um, But so we got, we went on uh, Millennium Falcon. um, And then the coolest part though, was then when we went on Rise of the Resistance, we actually saw a cast member who works on the Halcyon. He brought us in a back way of Rise of the Resistance to completely cut out the queue and have never like even experienced the queue whatsoever right into the room with Ray. And we got this like back way journey. It was crazy. It was but the crazy but the craziest thing about it to me is that we had someone who greeted us from the Halcyon who recognized us immediately and then brought us in like we're so glad you're here. Like, I'm so glad I'm going to take you back right now to CBBA and like to listen to like a special message. And that's exactly what happened. And it felt really, really immersive, really special. And like, this is never going to happen again. In no way am I ever going to have this like special entrance to Rise of the Resistance, <laughs> the best ride then. in Disney World. <laughs> yeah. I would say though, when we were at Oga's, we ended up standing next to some people that were also aboard the Halcyon and they did not have the crew member there at Rise from the Halcyon. They did have the same like private entrance and everything that we experienced, uh, but the crew member wasn't there. So I don't know. 
I think we just got lucky with that. Yeah. So I don't know how often the crew member is supposed to be there. We didn't there like, for example, there wasn't a crew member at Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Having that like piece that we happened into or caught at a weird time. I don't know. Uh, it was really fun to have the healthy on crew member there um, to be like, oh, yes. And then Charlton are like, what is he doing? Here? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really I fun. think that. Something that Caitlin and I talked about that would be really cool in the future would be if we saw those characters who are like exclusive to the Halcyon interacting with guests on Batu. Um, right now, I don't think the story negates it, um, or even like necessity. I don't. I guess it part of it does, but like it, it could be worked in to where you could potentially see like Sammy or Wraith or someone on Batu. Yeah, and like that would be really cool too. Yeah. One thing that we did on Batu that Disney actually booked for us was building a droid, which is something Caitlin and I have never done before. And it was a really fun experience. I would say it was really fast and it didn't really have anything to do with our, like our storyline, but it was really fun. And we both really love our droids. I made an R2 unit that's like basically all black and white. And Caitlin made an R5 unit that is all black and white too. We're really boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the commitment to the aesthetic is real. And, yeah, exactly. Um, it was really fun though. And, but like, I think that there's a conversation out there about like upcharges. And I think there are a couple of up, like quote unquote upcharges, right? Like there's the captain's table at dinner, which is like $30 per person extra to sit at this round table in the center of the the dining room. Um, I think they have some extra courses like a moose bouches and stuff. I can't be sure about that. But to me, it didn't seem like there was any like special factor to that that would like I didn't feel like I was cheated out of a special experience beyond like the amuse-bouche that like <laughs> would have taken away from the story for me or like the experience for me in general. And I don't think that you need to like either build a lightsaber or build a droid for it to be part of your story. Like in no way did it, was it even part of our story like at all. It was just a fun thing to do yeah. when you're in Batu. Yeah. It's just that it's booked for you ahead of time. Yeah. So like we, we were excited to do it because yeah. Caitlin and I have neither of us have built a lightsaber or done the droid. So we were really excited to do that. Yeah. And I think yeah. a big piece of it is how do we get it back? And you know what? Felt that. <laughs> yeah. That was like a huge thing about um, – when we were talking earlier about our suitcase, yeah, our droid like take up like half our suitcase. Yeah, it's just so much. I couldn't even. I had to risk putting my little my new baby in the overhead bin in the uh, in the airplane. Whoa, it was whoa. Yeah, it was rough. Had to send him through security too, and I was like, I don't know if his little his little droid box is gonna fit. Yeah, <laughs> but he got yeah. there. Uh, right. <laughs> so after we left Batu, we get back on the transport. And again, it's pretty seamless. Um, the 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 bus slash truck that they put you in is I, I I think it was done really well. Like you literally don't see it at all. Um, like we well, you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. Again, I keep saying this, but the level of immersion is is really real. And um, we get back on, and I felt like we you and I like I changed quickly for into like Jedi robes for my lightsaber thing. But like right after the lightsaber thing, like the story was just going, we could join up anything. We were, everyone at this point was like super into it yeah. <laughs> and there were so many things to do. Um, you could 
you could go shopping, you could do whatever, you can relax, you can go to the get get some food, go to the Starlight Lounge, or you can like join up with all these different things that were happening. And it felt like the story really escalated and was leading to a finale. We had our, we've already talked about like Acoustically Gaia and how that was like put on our schedule. Things would change in our data pad and our schedule based off of what we were doing and based off of like how things were escalating with the story. And it was pretty clear that we were leading to a finale that would involve Ray and Kylo. So at this point, Caitlin and I actually like on our schedule, we had this part that we actually uh, discovered um, on Betu about like a Jedi artifact. And Caitlin and I were like, oh my gosh, what do you think the Jedi artifact is? And it was like, I was like, I think it would be really awesome if it was a holocron. And it actually did end up being a holocron. So we all gathered maybe like 15 people, right, Caitlin? Mm -hmm. We were following, uh, actually it was like pretty much by happenstance, right? Like that was a weird thing that happened. We were following um, Chewie. Yes, Saja and Chewie. And Chewie split off and we went with Saja. And then all of a sudden we hear like rumblings that Ray had just gotten on board and then all of a sudden Ray was with us. And so we were with like 10 different people and um, we were talking about like, we have to keep Ray out of view. We have to guard Ray um, from the stormtroopers and that like she was talking to us about Kylo Ren and how we have to like keep this Jedi artifact that we were carrying. We didn't, we haven't opened it yet um, from Kylo Ren. So from there we go and we, like we we file on into where we do the Jedi training and they put this Jedi artifact on a box and we all sit on the corners, like in the corners of the room and Ray and um, Saja basically open the box and it is revealed that it is a holocron. And at this point I like start getting really excited because I'm like, are we going to witness like an actual holocron like opening? It was big too, right, Caitlin? Yeah, like it was – <laughs> It was really big. And so Saja and Ray have to open it together. And it's very reminiscent of Rebels. And it was really magical, that Disney magic almost of like the music kicking in and everything when they open up the holocron. And the girl next to me was like sobbing. It was like an emotional experience for her. And I just think the entire thing was really well done. And so they open up the holocron, the edges turn, and all of a sudden there's a hologram of Yoda that talks about like staying true to who you are and just has all these amazing Yoda-isms that is that are said. And there's this like real moment of quiet that like goes over everyone as Ray talks about like how important it is to like stay on the right path and um keep trying and stay towards the light and things like that. It's it's a lot of like light side, like Jedi mumbo jumbo, but it, it was really effective. Oh, it totally <laughs> Especially was. Yeah, especially with this like amazing Yoda hologram. Oh my god, it was it was unreal. Like witnessing, like being in a room for like I can't even believe it. Like a holocron opening, seeing Yoda pop out of the holocron and things like that. And then after that, Ray disappeared, and we don't see her until later. <laughs> but it was one of those situations where like we really just stumbled on Ray, yeah. and but I we think were she's like doing other stuff too. Like I think it's just she she was. I think she was doing stuff with kids, yeah, and like, like I think that her. she had been on the ship for like a couple of hours, and we just hadn't run into her. Yeah, I think so because Chewie had been on the ship for a while, and we, yeah, like we never actually really spent time with Chewie. <laughs> Yeah, Chewie was like always like on the run. Yeah, I felt well, Chewie, like. Chewie was there the first night of our dinner too. Because remember, he like runs through the dining room 
like yeah. during our dinner and like that happens a lot at dinners yeah like things happen yeah <laughs> it was funny um yeah that like to be in this like the Jedi training room which is a really cool space I think with like I don't know 20 other people and like it's like bathed in blue light and Yoda is talking to you and like Ray is standing there and there's music playing behind like swelling behind you top 10 experience <laughs> It really was. And at this point, the First Order had taken over the ship. Flags were everywhere. Yeah. It was really sort of like ceremonial when they took it took it over, where all of a sudden, like, really reminiscent of, like, Nazi flags um, were, like, flown everywhere and, like, the vibe changed. It was very real that, like, they had taken over. And, like, when they did this, there was so much booing and, like, hissing. And it, <laughs> it was uh, – I don't know. It was like, again, everyone, you just get so caught up in it that you're like, all you want to do is like scream <laughs> stormtroopers and, and things like that and be like, how could you? And so you do. And so, yeah, so things felt dire because the First Order had taken over and it felt like things were really rising to a head. There were some elements that Caitlin and I did that involved like stealing a TIE fighter and a TIE echelon and like Caitlin experienced something where she like had Kylo Ren come into the story and that was like the first touch of Kylo Ren coming into the Halcyon, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like where the bridge training I think picks up or like makes sense because when we went through bridge training, you and I both talked about like, oh, this is really fun. Like it's a bummer we only get to do this once. And then um, we didn't do it once. You did it twice <laughs> because you do the bridge training and then the next day like after – it's kind of been decided or like the data has been crunched about what side you're kind of interacting with more, then there's an opportunity for you to meet with the leaders of your side inside the bridge and to do something inside the bridge related to the resistance or the first order. So at one, and, and it's only like, you can't just go in, like you are granted access with your magic band. Like you're on a list <laughs> um, because you've like been noted as a member of the resistance or the first order on this trip. So like when the resistance was having this secret meeting in the bridge, Charlotte was in there, but I wouldn't have been able to get in there because it wasn't on my list. Um, it wasn't on my itinerary because also I wasn't following the resistance track. So then when we went in there, the first order went in there and there is like kind of like a little bit of an awkward transition because they do happen one right after the other. But I think that in the future, the timing will be on a little better than that. But when the first order went into the bridge later and like the doors were locked, um, we were talking about everything that was going on. And then like you get the chance to like, play in the for in the bridge uh, again but during that time is when croy is confronted with kylo ren and he like comes up on the screen and it's clear that he's like decided to come to the halcyon and like clean up lieutenant croy's mess basically and then croy spills the beans that ray has been spotted aboard the halcyon and this is when kylo actually appears on the screen he's like come again <laughs> he's like that i will be there <laughs> and yeah and like croy knows that kylo has an interest in ray he mentions it like earlier um i don't remember when but earlier in the story in the voyage he mentions that kylo has an affinity towards ray 
Yeah. And obviously that's what we really, really care about. So <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of a fun aspect of things of like your bridge training coming back around, getting to experience being in the bridge again. Because even though I said I kind of had some critiques about the overall aesthetic of the bridge, the actual viewports of the bridge and like how big it is, is quite impressive. And um, it is fun to be in there nonetheless. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Caitlin, why don't you take us through the finale with the Raylo of it all? Because I think a lot of people want to know <laughs> what the deal is with the Kylo and Ray. Everyone like, we're here to share the like, news. Good God, get to the Raylo of it all. Raylo. And yeah, you're right. I agree. But it's at, it's literally the finale. <laughs> it's the finale. And like we I think that we all knew it was going to be the finale, right? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. They're the finale. They're it. Exactly. <laughs> So basically everything comes to a head and everyone, the thing is, is at this point, it's like nine, I think nine o'clock, nine 30, something like that. And from like five until now, everything, I think everyone is kind of being pulled into these stories. People are just kind of milling about in the atrium. All the dinners are done. These, these characters have been running around for like four plus hours now doing stuff. And it's all kind of in service of getting everyone back to the atrium by the end of the story. So even if you're not like really partaking in these kind of smaller storylines, my guess is you'll probably find yourself in the atrium just organically, I would imagine, unless you're going to yeah, bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. So everyone finds themselves in the atrium. Um, Lenka and Croy are talking. Everything's going on. Um, they're arguing the whole, you know, resistance first order. There are spies on board. No, there aren't. There's a bunch of that, right? And then um, Kylo shows up. He comes out from the from the front or from the second story. There's like a couple of doors up there. He comes from up top. I missed him <laughs> so much. <laughs> he he looked good and he was very menacing. I will say that his modulator, his voice modulator, was not tuned right, I don't think. It it didn't sound very good to me, honestly. But once you kind of got over the hump of that, it was fine. But there was something yeah. off about his voice modulator, I think. Yeah. Um, and that could have been just our night or something. Yeah. And, like, that'll probably change in the future. And also, we're, like, really sensitive to Kylo Ren's character. Yeah. So maybe that's not a big deal for, like, literally anyone else. But something it was know. like, hmm. Yeah, it was something to know. Yeah. But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to say like I miss Kylo and actually I miss Ray so much too. Like there was this real sense of, oh, I love them so much. It's and like so I love the sequel trilogy and this group of characters. It was just, it was great. It was great to see them again. I miss was, them so much. It was really great. So Kylo comes out and he basically is berating Croy about what a horrible job Croy has done on board the Halcyon. And um, I forget what he says, but basically he says, if you don't talk, or he's talking to Lenka too, I think also. And he's like, if you don't talk, I'll make them scream. And he's talking about like all of us, the passengers, and like all the lights in the uh, room go red. 
you hear Kylo's theme come on and he's like reaching out with the force and there's like this big fixture in the middle of the ceiling. I don't, I wouldn't even call it a chandelier, but I guess it is um, that starts to come crashing down or starts to fall down from the ceiling. Not it's not a lot, but it starts to fall down from the ceiling. Very dramatic. And then all of a sudden. Ray appears on the other side of the stage up top and she lights her blue lightsaber and then they start battling and guys it's a really good fight um they're like up so good they're up top on the second story Ray is literally like doing some cartwheels and stuff like that it it looks really good um watching back some of the video there are a couple of moments that look quite staged I will say but the moment in the room, the energy from everyone was losing their mind at seeing Ray and Kylo uh, battle it out. And it is just a reminder that they are some of the best Star Wars characters ever. And people freaking love them and love them yeah. together because yeah. everyone was spellbound by them in the room. Like it was incredible. And they're talking, and as Raylo's. We were we were ready for this. We were waiting for this kind of the whole two days was like, I feel like they're going to be a finale, but like, I can't miss it. If Kylo's on board, I need to see him. If Ray is on board, I need to see her and this whole thing. Um, so while they're battling, they're having like a whole conversation while they're doing this and their conversation I think lines up really well with kind of where we enter the relationship into Tross and you all know how we feel about Tross, but I think that a lot of the Raylo conversations in Tross were, had some intriguing elements to them and things that Charlotte and I enjoyed about that film. Um, And I think that the conversation and the battle that Ray and Kylo had aboard the Halcyon fits really nicely into kind of the trajectory of their relationship into Tross. Um, It is a battle. That's where their conversation takes place. I think to expect anything else from this really exclusive experience that not a lot of Star Wars fans, not all Star Wars fans are going to get experience. Um, to expect kind of anything else. I don't know. Just that doesn't really seem like that would ever happen, right? Like they're going to have it be something that is meaningful, but is also something people have seen before from Ray and Kylo, which is a battle where they're kind of talking about their feelings, but not really talking about their feelings. Um, Kylo tells her that she could be, you know, he does a, a variation of his whole let the past die conversation he makes a second proposal to her of, I, you know, one time I told you you could join me. You still can. Let's go together. Like he does that whole bit. Um, and Ray spits back at him a lot of, you know, um, who you are is not who I'm meant to be. And um, this wasn't how it was supposed to be in this whole thing. And they're fighting each other the whole time. Um, and I think it's I really liked the conversation. I thought it was a good conversation. I need to go back and like get the actual transcript of it. But I thought the writing in it was really good. It felt very in line for their characters as we see them in Tross, quite honestly. And there's one part of the story of the fight where they're on kind of this side stage. And at this point, Kylo has knocked Ray's lightsaber out of her hand. And so he force pulls her to him. 
And Ray is on some kind of track or something up top on this like second story stage. And she, it looks like she's being force pulled and everyone lost their mind. Lost their mind. There's a couple of like things like that. Like Kylo's lightsaber sparks. And so does Ray's too. When he hits the, hits the guardrail, there's like actual like blaster fire that like sparks too. From the stormtroopers that are. From the stormtroopers that are down below. In the audience. In the audience. And like, so during this, there's so many different storylines that are coming to a head. Things are even happening in the corner, like while this is happening, it is so layered. And, but it's still like everyone zeroes in on this. And the fight is really, really well choreographed and it does feel like a dance. Um, And Caitlin's right. There is some really interesting dialogue. We'll like write it out because we have full video of that. We'll probably post the video somewhere, but we'll write out the dialogue too and post it somewhere. it's it's interesting. Um, Kylo makes reference to Ray training and like having a little bit of training, which again is in line with the Rise of Skywalker. I wish they pushed that a little bit further because I think there's something there about Kylo sensing training and the training actually being from his mother. And like I think that there's some some things there that obviously I think could even have been pushed more in the Rise of Skywalker. It, it does an okay job with that in the movie, I guess. But in this specific thing, I thought it would be fun to have that sort of dialogue. But yeah, Caitlin's right. There is a second proposal and she says like, she's never alone, that kind of thing. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's well done. And Caitlin and I were as Raylo's pretty impressed by it. And I think our expectations, we were a little like on edge about how we were going to feel about it and we felt okay about it. Right. Yeah, I did. I totally did. Like I said, it feels it's seamless into where we pick up with them in Dross. And so for that, I think it, did what it was supposed to do and I like having this added into that kind of collection of Raylo meetups yes another cool effect that Caitlin didn't mention is the fact that the chandelier in the atrium breaks falls even more and it falls so much like Kylo shakes it and removes it and that like it falls and it stays broken until we leave like it's it's not repaired people refer to it the next morning and everything about like we need to repair that wow but it was phantom of the opera guys <laughs> like that happens in phantom mm-hmm. of the opera raylo um, fighting in front of a fallen phantom of the opera chandelier i mean what good good stuff good what stuff. would ryan say <laughs> what would ryan say he would say what we're saying good yeah. stuff <laughs> Yeah, it was good stuff. It was good good stuff. stuff. (laughs) And then obviously, so the light wins and the ship is restored. The power goes out at one point and then the power is restored, which is really cool. Um, And there's like a really great reveal of Sammy like in a stormtrooper outfit. Um, And he has like, like earlier in the night, he gets taken away and like arrested by the stormtroopers. And then his big reveal, like we were right next to it in the middle of the crowd. And when he removes his helmet, it's as like exciting as you could probably imagine when you've been following his storyline and you think that he like has been carried away and he returns back as a hero. And it is so good. Like, it's one of those like you're screaming <laughs> when he like takes off the helmet and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like so Sammy. standard Star Wars. Like, why is this like doing this for me? And you're like, we love you, Sammy. Like, that was great. Um, there's like a couple of phrases too that you repeat constantly in the Galactic Star Cruiser that's like becomes fun. Um, a group says like 
ignite the spark and then you're supposed to say back light the fire and I cannot stop saying <laughs> like you know ignite the spark light the fire it was it was <laughs> It's one of those things, it's like a really good rallying cry and it really worked on the Star Cruiser. And I just think that like, I just want to completely like overstate. I don't think we can overstate basically how amazing the finale was. I think that Disney shows have a level of cheese about them where you can fully see show elements. And um, sometimes you just have to like suspend that disbelief. And I think that our disbelief was so suspended in this that like, because it was even better than like we could have even imagined. And it had like really solid effects and elements to it that it really worked for us. And like, it felt like every single person around us again, cause you, you just feel this like amazing energy. Um, it was incredible. I think that I don't know if it's going to show, show back in video. I'm a little worried about that, but I just like as a firsthand account, everyone was freaking out, like losing their minds. <laughs> so yeah. I uh, just want that on the record. Yeah. No, they really were. The other thing that you're forgetting to mention too about the plot twist at the end is that Chewbacca is there and yeah. he has his crossbow and oh he shoots He shoots at Kylo. I think he, he misses, but he shoots at Kylo. Um, and it's – this is funny for Charlotte and I because when we first saw Chewbacca, like the day before on the Halcyon, we were like, oh my God, he's got his crossbow. LOL. And then he uses it at the end. And Charlotte and I, this is like a whole thing with The Force Awakens of like Chewie and the crossbow and like how everyone in Force Awakens keeps commenting on it and it like becomes Chekhov's gun in a lot of ways. And it became Chekhov's gun again on the Halcyon and like Charlotte and I didn't pick up on it in The Force Awakens like way back in 2015 until like a year later. (laughs) That like Chewbacca would use that at the very end and like try to, you know, and he didn't kill Ben, he just like wounded him in the leg, right? Yeah. Or the side, the side. Yeah. Um, didn't go for the heart, even though, you know, he totally could have. And like, that was a thing that Caitlin and I just like were surprised by. And someone had to basically tell us that story element later. And we just felt like it was a major blind spot for us. Mm-hmm. And so it was really funny to witness another blind spot regarding the crossbow on this ship. Like literally we had the same situation yeah. happen where we were like, oh, that's cool that it's a crossbow. And then later he uses the crossbow and we're like, wow, that's so crazy. He used the crossbow. And it's like, yeah, of course he uses the crossbow. Duh. Duh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. And then after that, there was this great dessert party where Wani and the guitar player sing this song and everyone like kind of joins and claps and it's so good. The song's called One Galaxy. Yep. It's been stuck in my head for a couple days. Desserts were amazing. As you can probably imagine, Star Wars desserts are really cool because they're really like fun and fancy. And a dessert buffet is always a good thing. And also a hallmark of a cruise, if I may add. So loved that. Yeah. Really loved that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after so after the first order leaves and after Croy leaves too, before the dessert party, this is when there are fireworks and you, everyone goes into the bridge or like out in the atrium because there are viewports on the top of the atrium too. And you like see Kylo fly away and then you see like the Falcon fly away and then like these fireworks start and they're like spacey fireworks. They're really cool. 
And um, this is the second or the third instance, I should say, where John Williams music plays. So when you enter, it plays with Kylo and Ray during their battle. And then it plays at the end with the fireworks. And to me, I think those moments make perfect sense for the Star Wars music, for John Williams's music to be playing. Yeah, and there's a lot of so on the sides of the ship there are viewports that you can see space from and there's several story elements that happen there like the tie fighter approaches and the millennium falcon goes by at the very end and it is just again so joyful just like the fireworks with the John Williams music and that kind of so- sort of all kicks it off and then you go off to your dessert party and you're just like this is the best night of my life this is amazing it's really fun yeah it's really fun yeah <laughs> so good and then you like get really depressed because you're like the storyline is basically over meaning my trip is basically over meaning I have to leave in the morning and that is really sad so that's exactly what happened. Caitlin and I were like straight up depressed and we like sulked back to our room. And the next day we woke up, had our last breakfast and had to get back we in were, the We're like elevator. the last people out. What? Had to get back in the transport elevator and leave. And leave. And like, I'm not, not kidding. Like we were like one of the last people to leave. Yeah. And I think they would have like dragged us out. They really wanted us to go before 10. And it was, it was, it was a lot, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, the last breakfast is really sad. I kept going back for more, I more know. blue milk, more, more green milk, more coffee, had to get all this stuff. Yeah. I could have really done with a couple more hours on the Halcyon. Yeah. It was amazing. It really was. It was so fun. <laughs> it was so good. I miss it a lot. It was so good. <laughs> I miss it so much. And then we like, we left and it was like, we were like dejected. I'm like still in like a depressive funk for the fact that it's over. It was, I think that because you, you and I like love this world so much and you love something and then you get a chance to like live it and then you have to leave and you're like ripped from it. You're like, this is so sad and unfair when you like, it, it feels similar in a way to like when celebration ends and it's like, yeah. Yeah, man, that was like my place of comfort. I have like, I have such great friends and like, that's the only time I get to see them. And it was so special. And like, I, we all are celebrating this thing that we all love. Like it was the same vibe really. I think celebration is obviously like different because it's a convention, but like you just felt the love a lot, you know? Yeah. That's celebrate the love type of vibe. And it was uh, so good. Yeah. We've been talking about Galactic Star Cruiser for three hours. I think it's safe to say that we freaking loved it. <laughs> we have a lot yeah. to say. And I even think that we could probably talk more about it and we probably will online. Like <laughs> it's just it was so good. It was really uh, good. It it was such a cool experience. And I think that kind of the overarching sentiment is that I'm really glad that it exists and like you mentioned that Disney Parks is just doing something different like this and that Star Wars gets to be the one kind of forging ahead with this kind of immersive experience as like the first of its kind and we're really lucky to have been given this opportunity by Disney to experience it so yeah I just I like I said it feels like a fever dream and even like going back through our notes I'm like there's so much I'm forgetting and like it's hard to express. It's hard to explain just how cool it was and like how these things that I think from the marketing 
maybe don't land as well as they actually do in real life. And even from some of the videos that we've seen leaked and things like that, you know, like calling some of the furniture cheap looking, like none of that is reality <laughs> to what we actually experience. Like it, it delivered, I think, on what it said it would. Um, I think there are some changes that can be made to it, and I hope it continues to evolve. and And I hope its price goes down or doesn't rise at least, um, at the very minimum. But overall, I was entirely impressed with it. Like that's putting it lightly, and had such a fun time. And yeah, I was just it. It really felt like I was living in Star Wars, and I'm incredibly grateful to have had that experience. Me too. Me too. I couldn't love the that like day and a half more. <laughs> it was such a thrill. And I actually just I wish that every experience like Batu was like that. I wish that that's some this is something that we could do every time we go to Disney or something, but it's just not. And I hope that someday maybe it could be a, a more accessible to more Star Wars fans, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because I think that everyone that we know would love it. Like love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I hope that like our report of it, it sort of excites you or makes you feel like you were along with us, um, and gave you like a little bit of this, the story elements. Um, yeah, I think we're really excited to share it all with you. And now that the embargo is over, like, I'm really excited to talk about it and hear what other people thought about it. Um, I don't know about you, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And I'm excited to like carry on into the weekend in my sort of depressive episode about being sad that I'm not on the Galactic Star Cruiser. Right? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get a sleep in and cry. Exactly. Exactly. Get a some calf, call it calf. And <laughs> yeah, I'm never stop calling it calf. <laughs> like- Even though. I could have done that for a long time, but like when you do it for like two days, you, yeah, yeah. you can't stop. And even though like Batu has calf as well, it's like, no, it's, it's different. Yeah. It's okay. Different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else we need to mention in this episode? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, if you have questions about the Galactic Star Cruiser, about the Halcyon or our experience, please reach out and ask. We would we would love to actually talk about it now because it feels like it's been a really long time since we've been able that we haven't been able to talk about it. So please come and find us online. Our Twitter is at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, our Instagram and TikTok. Um, we have videos and photos that'll be up on all of those places. So be sure to check them out if you want some visuals to go along with kind of the audio of the podcast. Um, And thank you to everyone who has left us reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. If you haven't had a chance to go and do that yet, we would love it if you did. It helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Hayden, Trevor, Colin, Allie, Kelly, that's it, Niall, Ryan, Aaron, Stephanie, Julia, John, Kate, Tadashi, Catherine, Linda, Ethan, Jeff, and Stefan. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Thank you.